Welcome to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast. Each week we dig into four new releases to give you guys the lowdown as we attempt to dissect and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. Before we get into episode eight, I need to introduce you to my always running late co-host. Some say he's the Miss Piggy to my Kermit, the Adina to my Patsy, the Reebok Pumps to my Air Jordans, and perhaps my favourite one yet, the Burt to my Ernie. Let me say a big week five of stage four lockdown. Hello to my friend and podcast partner in crime, Arik Bloom. Arik, is it ever going to end, dude? Is it ever going to end? We're up to episode eight. We've absolutely, we've 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 laid the critics to waste. They never thought we'd make it, and here we are, episode <laughs> eight. It's a big achievement. It's a big milestone. I'm sure eight is a lucky number in um in uh, in somewhere and somewhere on this great <laughs> big planet of ours. I really do actually appreciate the intro was um, uh, just <laughs> FYI, I, I, you know, you do know that I like to talk a bit about languages, but in, um, in Hebrew, uh, mm. well, in Israel in particular, when, when they do um, Sesame Street, uh, the, <laughs> instead of it call, being called Ernie and Bert, it's called Arik and Bents. So, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Arik Bert. Arik no, 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 Arik's Ernie, Arik's Ernie. Oh, no, it doesn't work then. It doesn't work. Doesn't it doesn't work. work. No. The other thing that I was going to, I'm actually just going to bring it up now because um, a friend of mine sent me a hilarious um, thing about Kermit and... Uh, <laughs> about oh, so topical. Kermit. I know, I know. You kind of like smashed it like straight off the straight off the bat. I'm just pulling it up. But a friend of mine uh, this morning sent me this um, this article in The Guardian Um it, it, it was called it's like 10 of the funniest things on the internet and there was this meme about um uh kermit and miss piggy and the meme goes something like this which is absolutely hilarious better um, be. it says i hate the muppets because of the pig girl <laughs> and, and, and the tweet actually goes it's from 2010 she says i hate the muppets because of the pig girl she was disgusting. I hate her with my life. She does not leave the lizard alone. <laughs> so um, I really thank you for the intro because it is legit, legitimately topical from from um, some pretty big wow. laugh I had with my friend this morning. Um, so yeah, so I just I guess I'll give you an update about my week, and then I might throw to your week. Um, Yes, a good part of this week has felt like um, I've lived in like a house of shame. Um, I do apologise. We were scheduled to do this podcast um, about two days ago, and I uh, I unfortunately sent a text message about twenty minutes before taping saying, "Hey guys, I'm just not going to make it. I'm just I'm <laughs> so yeah." So I had uh, to like I had yeah, to talk yeah. our special guest back into doing it. I bet you did. I bet you did. Um, look, it wasn't my my best moment. Um, I do apologise to our special guest, but I I uh, have no apologies for you. Was you're going to have to learn to live with this. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about this after the show. Okay. How has your week been? Oh, you know, it's we're 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 on the roller coaster. It's fine. I, the highlight of my week was last Friday. I had a knock at the front door, and I opened it, and in all its hairy glory, was Chris Gill 
with a special funk delivery. He went outside the 15-kilometre radius of free deliveries. He went 18 kilometres out, and he turned up with a with a Kamal Williams, Wu Hen, and our our favourite album, Liana Harvest's oh. new vinyl. And I had a chat, and then I took him down to Oakley, and we visited our week one sponsor for some no Calamara. Sublaki goodness. How are they going? Are they are they are they thriving? Oh, how can they not thrive, Arik? I mean, they've been featured in the New York Times. This is the greatest souvlaki shop in the world. Were they aware of? Uh, were they aware of their new, um, their newfound the celebrity guest? Yeah, on our show. Yes, we'll we'll talk clips through that later with our unofficial sponsor for the week. I but yeah, we just basically raised it with them. I hope you raised it with them. I, I didn't. I will. It's not the time. No, it's true. I just FYI, <laughs> they never replied to my email. So. Mm. Oh. <laughs> um, apart from that, um, promo on the new Kylie single, um, a bunch of homeschooling, blah blah blah. It's been like that, and it will continue to be like that until we get out of this hell. Anyway, let's let's move on from the talk of hell, and uh, maybe we get into our our special guest this week. So, Arik, I am generally, oh, generally, generally, genuinely <laughs> excited to introduce this week's guest. To say I'm a bit of a fan is an understatement. So, back in the two thousands, I had heard of her name on the Melbourne scene, but Really, my first memory of her was not till 2008. And I just had my second kid. And Saturday night, when you have two kids under two, back in 08, meant only one thing. It was Iron Chef followed by Rockwiz. And that was as good as it got. And if I'm being completely honest, Eric, it's actually better than a whole lot of Saturday nights I've had throughout my life. And anyway, I think Iron Chef France had dispatched another unworthy challenger and Julia had sauntered onto stage and some know-it-all contestants had said our guest's name and out she straight onto stage with a guitar as one of the special guests and sang this beautiful song. I remember thinking, wow, this she's amazing. And then at the end of the show, her and the male guest, Dan Wilson, do you know who Dan Wilson is, Arik? Uh, it rings a bell. It sounds like uh, Melbourne rock royalty. <laughs> You'd be completely wrong. Um, he sang the uh, song. He's really well known for the song Closing Time. Do you know that song? He also wrote the Dixie Chicks track, um, Not Ready to Play Nice, but probably the most well-known song and the song that's probably made him a quadrillion dollars is the Adele track, Someone Like You. Oh, yeah. So he, so this special guest was like, you know, she was like hitting it with some big-time talent. Anyway, they sang the duet together covering like the Alison Krauss, Robert Plant song, Killing the Blues, and oh, it was amazing. Anyway, since then, if I've ever been at a festival that she's been at, I always make it a point to go see her play. She's not just an amazing singer-songwriter, but a killer guitar. She writes songs that like, you know, powerfully emotive, you know, you makes you stop and pause. Like to me, oh God, she's probably listening to this and thinking, geez, what a dick. <laughs> He's just going on. But like, you know, to me, they conjure up like imagery of, times past and moments of fleeting joy and you know i was listening to her tracks the other day eric when i was thinking about this intro it was that really windy stormy day and i was sitting at my desk and this sort of sun poked out from behind a cloud and i was thinking you know that's a really good way to describe a music sort of like a moment of lightness in the dark and ladies and gentlemen we're so privileged and honored to welcome this week's guest can i say in all music is good hello to the wonderful and amazing liz stringer liz welcome Oh, that was amazing. 
Liz, all music is good. All guests are good. You, my friend, are the definition of good. It's such a pleasure to have you. We don't run into each other much. No, this is the most face-to-face time we've had. <laughs> Since the Virgin Lounge is closed. The, yeah, I know. The Virgin Lounge is closed. I mean, RIP Virgin Lounge. But, like, the chances of Melbourne Musos bumping into each other these days has, like, exponentially decreased off a cliff. So, I reckon I don't run into yeah. people like this anymore. And I thought, I actually think Music Victoria should have done more to get in on that Virgin Bane merger. You know, I think they've really let us down in uh, in, in not stopping this Virgin Lounge closure. Anyway. Look, I just, just to get in there, I, I kind of, um, <laughs> the most <laughs> devastating thing for me early on about the whole COVID thing was my my gold status. I was like, what? Oh, You know, you work so hard. You spend you so do. long <laughs> racking up those points. They Didn't they say that it's um it goes through to next year? They're oh, gonna, well, they it, just put a... Surely it must. I don't know. I mean, it, if the lounges come back, I don't know. I think Virgin have a few grand of mine sitting sitting there in un, in untaken flight. So hopefully hopefully they don't kind of just do a Scacy and I don't know, you know, <laughs> move to Mallorca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. The Virgin Lounge, you can come to the Virgin Lounge, but it's in Mallorca now. Yeah. Uh, Liz, if you don't mind, I'm just going to get straight into the hard questions. Like yes, firstly, I've I've got a two-part question. Do you think that it's finally time to pull the trigger on the Hawthorne rebuild. Well, clearly, I mean, yeah. I mean, what? I mean, but, but what are you talking about? You know what I did see the other day was that um, fucking Jeff Kennett is about <laughs> to throw his hat back into the ring, which is he honestly. He said he was not doing it. Oh, did he? You know, he said, didn't he say a couple months ago he wasn't going to do it again? He wasn't going to uh, run as Hawthorne Boardman? I saw, look, I, well, hopefully it was an old article that I saw because, I, yeah, a couple of um, weeks ago he was like, I'm running, I'm going for it again. <sighs> I don't, I'm not exactly sure which specific rebuild you're talking about, but, I mean, considering how broken Hawthorne is right now, I think any kind of rebuild would, would be appropriate. It's It's got to be a rebuild. I mean, they're carrying, you know, all these old dudes, you know. Who's the little Ford Pocket guy? Uh, the, the short, chubby one. Which one? Poapolo. Poapolo. Yeah, Poapolo. He's old. Gunston's old. Bruce's old. Burgoyne, Burgoyne. old. Burgoyne, who is my absolute favourite. Well, you know I know Sean quite well. No, you don't. I do. He's son. I'm the coach. Well, of course. I believe Sean will be... Uh... He might be a guest at some stage. Yeah, I could have. Although he does, he's not really a music dude. He told me he really likes Creedence Clearwater. I'm not really sure how appropriate work, that is for this we can show. Work with that. We can totally work. You can with work that. with that. That's right. Was. Yeah. <laughs> I'll work with. The, I'll make sure you come back on. Sean's awesome. He's such a good player and such a nice guy. He's a legend. Yeah, I met him when I did um, Mangrook. I sang a, a, a song on Mangrook, and he was there, and it was just the, the most exciting night of my. My young life. Well, I just think, you know, for the, I think it's time for the Hawks to just tear it down. I think you're right. And I think maybe get rid of Clarko too. That was part B of my question. Mm. It's time for Clarko to go. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Look. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I haven't really, I haven't, um, I haven't, I just, I know that it's a, I mean, it's 2020. Who gives a shit, to be honest? Let's just see how they go next year. And if 
If we if we remain on the bottom of the ladder by the end of 2021, then Clarko might need to have a bit of a sit down with someone, for sure. Not Jeff, hopefully. Not Jeff. <laughs> God. No one needs to sit down with that. No, you don't. <laughs> like I was gonna, I like, I I know from your socials, Liz, that like you're a little bit into footy. Maybe not as much as I'm into my footy and Rx into his footy. But um, like I was just <laughs> before we talk music, I was going to go off on a tangent and Do talk it. a bit more about the broader question that's in my mind tonight about yeah, yeah. music and sport. And yes, oh, this is my favourite topic. Go. Is it really? Okay, here we yep. go. Okay, so this has been. I want to address this. So music and sport in Australia has always seemed to have gone hand in hand up to a point. I think in the mid nineties, where mm. or maybe late nineties, where it became completely uncool to play music and like sport. And I'm going to cite the Powderfinger cricket obsession that seemed to spiral off into some sort of boganism and really draw a line between culture and music and that somehow the two shouldn't mix. And so, like, the Bulldogs is ingrained in my DNA and it has Mm -hmm. been for generations. And so for a large part of the last 20 years, I've just not talked about it to my music friends for fear of being, like, ostracised as an uncultured bogan. So about five years ago, and I thought, fuck it. Like, this is who I am. I enjoy watching competitive sport. Um, but it still feels like a kind of no-go zone. And, like, I reckon there's, like, some sort of cultural divide of sorts that, you know, just exists but uh, with music and sport. Like, any comments? Is this where you are heading with your thoughts on this? Well, interestingly was I I actually have a, a lot of my music friends are massive footy heads. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um. But I know exactly the kind of snobbery that you're talking about. <laughs> and, um, it's there. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, and I, I, I've, I don't understand it because for me, I mean, I do love, I do love all sports, but particularly Aussie rules. Um, I, it's the only sport I kind of follow, you know, the whole ups and downs of the season and know who everyone is and all that stuff. But um, I, to to me that music and and competitive high level sport um intersect on a lot of levels and it makes absolute so sense to me that people that are really into music would be really into sport i mean that's a whole yes. podcast on its own well i mean we this that this is that podcast right and <laughs> yes you want to hear more and <laughs> i i mean i'm really curious to know from you because this like i didn't realize this was did not like i, did, I maybe i didn't read the brief the um <laughs> the, the brief beforehand I, i'm i'm so excited i said Eric this is into 40 and you go yes <laughs> That, but that was that was the brief, right? That was the brief. So I'm curious to know, Liz. Like, do you ever use um, footy analogies to like ramp up like your your band or your support acts or your or your team? Do you ever kind of go there? Oh, uh, yes, <laughs> totally. Are there any? Are there any type? Like, are there any particular kinds of moments where, be it like a coach? I mean, I know for me, like from my, um, I guess you know, my production space, I always quote John Kennedy and go, don't think, do, don't hope, do. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got to give me everything. You've got to give me everything. Your, your last <laughs> That's right. You know, I so much so I literally, I, I reckon I was about six weeks ago, I was heading to a session um, at Woodstock Studios, which we'll talk about later in this um, podcast. And I was so excited because it was one of those moments where 
I was like, I've done all this work on this on this track, and now I'm driving from Brunswick to St Kilda to record four bars of acoustic guitar on a <laughs> 1950 on a 1950s Gibson, and I was like, this is a lot of effort, and I I literally <laughs> spent the entire car ride listening to John Kennedy's speeches, saying in every in every moment <laughs> there is an opportunity. <laughs> did it have? Um, did it have kind of? Did it have like music behind it? Was it? A, or was it just? Did it didn't. Oh no, no, it had a bit of music. In fact, I actually sent that to a friend of mine today. Um, she was on her way to a meeting. So I'm curious to know if there's any moments for you that you kind of, kind of access around inspiration when when you intersect uh, footy and music. I don't. I don't think there's any. There's no like specific speeches. I, okay. I use, for example, but yeah. I do. Um, I do talk about football as incessantly. So, people in my <laughs> band, and luckily, um, for a long time, I had I had a band that had zero, no interest at all, which was difficult. But then I started playing with Dave Williams, who I I, hmm. I don't know if you guys know Dave, but he's I mean he's a Collingwood supporter, but it you know Boo. you take what you can get. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he and I talk a lot about footy, which is great because you do, you know, you need. Often I'm sort of touring in the footy season, and you know, mm, yeah. you need you need an outlet. You need to be able to, I don't know, talk. Yeah. Express. Yeah. Express it. Need to get on the Herald Sun Dream Team website and really look at how many possessions Jack McRae had. I actually don't do that. That's that. I don't that do dream. Team. Do you know? Also, I've never been in a footy tipping tipping competition. Because I just know myself that I it would Call just make me an too Australian. stressed. <laughs> yeah. And it's too, it'd so. stress me out. I'd be I'd be just I'd be too um maybe this is just a you know just a bit too much information about the, the weakness of my character or something, but I just would get <laughs> too anxious. Like for every game, not just Hawks games. You know? Yeah. It's look, there's an art to tipping and yeah, mm. there's there's a whole, there's a lot of science behind it. My science is tip in the first week and then forget to tip for the rest of the year and then get the away teams. And generally, I generally come mid pack most years. Is that what happens? You just you get the away teams if you don't put in your tips. That's right. Oh, okay. Well, that's a strategy. Yeah. Well, this year I'm probably doing quite well. I haven't actually checked. <laughs> that means that's, that everyone wins. Well, you've got to you've got to be in it to win it, Les. You've got to be yeah. in it to win it. Um, so, like, was there? <laughs> we've we've really gone off on a tangent. Is there anything else you want to say? Or are we good? No, but I do. I mean, I do want just because I, you know, I'm among football um, enthusiasts. I, I just have found this year without without being too dramatic about it, particularly sad because of the no footy in Melbourne. It's just so strange, isn't it? It's like yeah, this is the first is. time in any of our lives that that footy, and even if you're not a footy, I actually wrote a blog about this um, at the start of lockdown. It's like even if you're not a football fan, it's just it just runs through the city's blood. It's just it's yeah. just it's so much part of March till September and it's yeah. um, it's a very odd time without it. 
isn't it? Do you find do you find this like the whole like oh my god it's Tuesday three p.m. I I'm gonna turn on the footy because yes the yeah, footy's on Tuesday <laughs> three p.m. whilst I'm apparently meant to be working. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, hang on, didn't Hawthorne play three days ago? And you're like, yeah, they did. They're playing again. They're losing again twice in a week. Do it. Have you played ever, Liz? Are you have you ever actually have you ever put the boots on and had a kick? I I played a couple of games like in high school. Um, you yeah. know, they're like five minute quarters. Um Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I have an older brother, um, and he and I would kick the footy heaps. So I love kicking the footy, but I've only played like a couple of games. Yeah. 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 What about do you did, did you guys play? Well, I mean, I might, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I might start because was I think you know we might be here a while while you talk about your <laughs> successes. Um, I played, I played uh, five, five decorated years as number forty-five at the Tote Football Club. Nice. Um, I had, I had, I had some big moments. I, I uh, my, my biggest moment was kicking the winning goal against East Brunswick Club, which still to this day is like one of those things that I think about before I go to sleep. If I'm struggling to sleep, it just calms me down. Um, but uh, but but then it ended in uh, in tears as uh, we played a we played a a pub called the Labour in Vain, and um, and I'd gotten a G up. At, uh, at at halftime by our coach at the time. His name was Maka, which is, I guess, <laughs> not particularly descriptive. Yeah. Not particularly descriptive. Um, and he, he G'd me up and was like, we're going to put you at fullback and you're going to take on the guy with the top knot. And I was like, all right, yes. Yes, I will. And the guy with the top knot weighed about 120 kilos and I was just like, I was, you know, I just had this like, you know, what is it called? White line fever. I had full blown white line fever, and I was like, okay, Maca said, "Pull his top get, knot, didn't you?" That's right. Maca said, "I've got to, I've got to get the guy with the top knot, and I'm going to do that." So, <laughs> I, I first play of the third quarter, I, I was like, "I'm going to tackle this guy, and I'm going to like, like throw down like some weird Brazilian jiu-jitsu move." <laughs> and uh, and I, I, I like I picked him up. I was like, with all of this, like you know, passionate, um, <laughs> passionate strength that uh, Maka had somehow inserted into me, and uh, and then then uh, at that point he just fell on top of me, and uh, I exploded my shoulder, went straight no, to the hospital. No, no, AC joint, AC joint career over. I call it the Paul Salmon um. injury. That was a knee, wasn't it? No, 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 no. AC joint. It was a no. really, really troubling injury in, through the early nineties. So that's my Holy story. What about you? What? Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was epic. Um, but I, well, I might can I just, but just before we move on, though, what happened to the guy with the top knot? Was he okay? Did he just he was bounce fine. off you? He just, he just felt guilty. He <laughs> just felt fine. really guilty. <laughs> so, I'm sorry you picked me up and I fell yeah, on you. Sorry, he, man. He, he apologized profusely. He was like, "Are you okay, man?" I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, Did and, I win? And yeah, yeah. So that was uh, and that was the end of my footy career. But there was talk, there were whispers, and those whispers were between me and myself that um, <laughs> once once the pandemic uh, is over, I may make a comeback, a la Tim Watson. Um, Don't do it, man. 
92 to 93. But anyway, was over to you because I think the <laughs> listeners need to hear about you. Oh, no, there's not, much, there's not much to say. It was all awesome and it ended gloriously. <laughs> no, no, excuse me. No, 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 no. Hold on a minute because we've got a Hawthorne fan here. Could you please? Yeah, okay, I can give you my Haw- another Hawthorne link if you want. Come on. I grew no, I grew up in the country and played, you know, for the Mighty Bloods, um, which was the Kahuna Football Club. But when I come when I moved to Melbourne, I started playing. I didn't play first year. I came to Melbourne the second year. Uni I, I joined the Melbourne University Footy Club, known as the Uni Blues. And I remember the first day of training, I rocked up to training. There was a dude from Mildura there and we said, Oh, let's I'll run with you. You're from Mildura. There's another um, another guy from Mildura. And his name was Richard Vandenberg who went on to uh-huh. uh, ca- Captain Hawthorne. And for the first couple of matches, we were like going, you know, um, best on ground for best on ground. And I remember maybe it was the third or fourth match. And I said, oh, Richie, what are you doing Friday night? He goes, oh, well, got a game. I said, no, I'll just be going to bed. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I went out. and um, <laughs> That's where your paths diverged. At that my path, our paths diverged. <laughs> That could have been yeah. me captaining Hawthorne instead of Richie. And I remember <laughs> yeah. that next that next day, I remember I was vomiting in the rooms at halftime <laughs> and I still got two votes out of five, but it just was all downhill from then. And I remember seeing Richie at the time and he was, dude, he was amazing. He was so into it. But we that was a really good year. We, we won the premiership at the Uni Boys that year and that was it, 1995, year? one year. 1995, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Exactly. <laughs> no. Thanks for that. No. Uh, I just, I don't know, but the issue I was having was that I was busting my fingers all the, every uh. match and I was getting to that point where I was starting to play music and starting to play in bands and just wasn't working. And also no. I like going out on Friday night and that just wasn't working. Imagine if you had, imagine if you had applied yourself at that point was, it could, could have been a very different. I would Very have been a superstar. Trajectory. <laughs> Maybe I would have been a retired footballer with head injuries and not some sort of, you and know. And just fingers that point like that <laughs> way. <laughs> not some D-grade musician. Uh, anyway, should we move on? <laughs> no, oh, anyway. I'm stoked. I, I feel like um, that was a nice this. way to. St- oh, this is the best. I wasn't expecting this at all. No. So <laughs> I guess we'll have to talk about music then. Cool. Point, well, before we do, why don't you tell us about, you know, obviously it's been a ridiculous year. Um, yeah. And maybe you've told the story heaps of times, but, you know, what's it, what's it meant for you this year? Well, I was, I'd been living in Canada for a couple of years. I was in Toronto since 2000 and start of 2018. And I came back almost this is bizarre but almost almost a year ago so mid-september to tour with jen and mia doing this dyson stringer clover yep. stuff yep. um and i so we were yeah we were on tour um we were in in sydney played our last gig in sydney and then in mid-march and then came back and we were going to tour until april and then may i was going to go back to canada and record with friends in vancouver and then move to nashville so that was wow i mean it, it feels so weird now even to talk about it but that's what was yeah. going to happen uh and so instead i've you know been i'm really lucky in that i i live with my brother and his family so i have a um his partner susanna and i have a little nephew five-year-old nephew who's hilarious and a dog and i have this like big room out the in it like in a separate yeah. building and yeah scandinavian I'm, sort of hut yeah i know this is my sauna <laughs> yeah. um but it's i it's i'm so 
I'm really lucky. I have all this, like I have a little recording set up in here and, you know, I'm, I'm paying like fuck all rent and I like, I'm, yeah. I've, as far as things go, I'm incredibly lucky. So I'm not, <clears throat> I, I'm not sort of, I'm trying to make the most of the time um, with my family and with, with not yeah. being on the road. Cause I spend most of my time moving. So, yeah. Uh, and it's been, it's actually had its advantages to be honest, like being in, in Melbourne, as weird as it is, you know, being in one place for a, for almost mm. a year um, has been great. Um, so what is, so does that mean you're going to, what's, what's it going to look like if we, if it opens up, you're going to go to the States or are you going to stay here or you don't well, know? Well, I mean, I, the, the States is, uh, the States is looking pretty scary. <laughs> yes, <it's there. laughs> um, I don't, I, I mean, I think I have an, I have an album that's going to come that I recorded in, in Toronto, uh, two years ago. So that's going to come out next year. And, and I, I mean, I. I mean, who the fuck knows, right? But I, but I yeah. don't. I'm not expecting to do any international travel next year. Yeah. Um, at this point, and then if it does, I mean, I'm a, so I'm a Canadian permanent resident. Um, and I, you know, when I can get back to Canada, I will at least for a while. But it's it's weird. It's 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 really kind of thrown the whole yeah thing off. You know, it's hard. It's it feels pretty arbitrary and weird to be making any plans, doesn't it, right now? Yeah, it, I agree. I mean, who knows? Like, I, I totally agree with that, those sentiments because, you know, it's you, you've got to take what you get and we've been given this and you've got to find the advantages in it and the yeah. advantages have been we've been in one spot and we've got to spend time with family and reconnect and that's been awesome. Like, I've, I've yeah, actually totally. really gotten a lot out of this year um, mm. as fucked as it is. Um, yeah. And just chosen to take. And, I'm, you know, again, like you, I'm incredibly lucky to have – work and mm. um and uh and a roof and and food and 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 family so it's just it's cho- choosing to take it as a blessing as opposed to missed opportunity absolutely because it is i think and that's you know i think it's important to um i think perspective in this situation is really important because you know, if I if if these things were happening to me for some bizarre reason and the rest of the world was just carrying on as normal, I'd be devastated. Mm. But that's not what's yeah. happening. So no. um I I yeah, I, the 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 fact that this pandemic is affecting some people it, I mean it's affecting people completely disproportionately. So it's not, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's kind of hard, but fuck, I just all I have to do is just go for a run in Coburg yeah. instead of driving to yeah. St Kilda. You know, it's like <laughs> things yeah. things could be a lot worse. And I think it's um it's been a good exercise for me in in learning how to be more present and and just mm. be that sort of perpetual like head down um musician hustle thing that yeah, you yeah. do. Next thing, next um, thing, next thing. Yeah. yeah. That mm. I think I think a lot of us have kind of lifted our heads up and gone, fuck, I don't, was I even enjoying what I was doing? I don't know. Like totally. what do, what do I want to do? So I think yeah. that's been and we're lucky because at least we can um I mean time is the the, the ultimate commodity for, for people like us, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. we have bags of it now. So that's you know, there's that there's I, I feel I'm like actively focusing on the positives for sure. Yeah. And I think Eric and I both talked about it a couple of episodes ago as well about the uh, not feeling the guilt if you're not 
um, feeling creative at this time as well, because totally. that's, that's the thing as well. And a lot of people aren't wanting to do it or not feeling like it. And that's cool as well. Just, just chillax. Yeah, like if you want to not, if you want to just cancel a podcast taping, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even Too if it soon. does inconvenience the two other people that are doing the podcast, it doesn't, right. you know, like, yeah. yeah. Right. Even if one's taking okay. a day off to like write their script, you yeah. know, even if they've like done those sort of things. Homeschooling, family Putting out new albums, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's irrelevant, really. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Liz. Um, all right. Do you want to set up our Instagram like of the week? Liz is just going to lose her shit with this one, but um, set it up for me and we'll just <laughs> we'll do it. Watch it fail again. Okay. So each week, um, Waza <laughs> spends a good part of his professional hours um, basically looking for the ultimate person to follow on Instagram. For those new yes. to this podcast, um, we make a real big <laughs> splash around the new person that we have chosen to follow. So I believe um, I'm just going to go over to our Instagram account now and just uh, see our numbers. So our, we, our numbers are less about who follows us and more about who we follow. And we're currently following nine people on Instagram, yep. which, wow. yeah, which is, I think, basically seven Instagram likes and two um, podcast unofficial sponsors. So, Waza, if you could lead us into uh, who we've decided to like this week, please. Yes, okay. Okay, so, Liz, this is a, a, a participant, a participant, oh, I can't even say it. You've got to participate in this. All right, yeah. this week I'm going to bring <laughs> things back closer to home, Arik. Thank you. So, last week. Dawson from Dawson's Creek was a popular choice amongst yes. the All Music is Good followers. Was it but James Vanderbeek or was it Dawson? Jan, James Vanderbeek. Yeah. Well, oh it was God. James Vanderbeek, actually. Right. Sorry, it was James Vanderbeek, um, otherwise known as Dawson from Dawson's Creek. Dawson Leary from Dawson's Creek. Dawson Leary. Anyway, I wanted to bring things back south of the equator this week. So okay. this week, Instagram like, guys, is a female. Yep. She's the ultimate triple threat on all rungs of the entertainment spectrum. So this person was born and raised in the Brisbane suburb of Sandgate and she's worked across all areas of entertainment, industry. Um, she's She's been a singer. She's worked on radio and television. I think I already know who it is. In 2013, she was elected to the board of Golf Australia. Oof. So I hope that's not too much of a giveaway. <laughs> She's a multiple winner of perhaps Australia's best-known award, and I'm not talking about the prestigious Australian of the Year award, but the much-coveted Gold Logie. How many times? Oh, I didn't say. Multiple. Okay, multiple. Times. Okay, sorry. Multiple. Can I ask? Can I ask you? Yes. Did this amazing Renaissance woman? ever appear on Hey Hate Saturday? I, I'm i not sure. I don't think so. Okay. Does she have red hair? Arik, she does not. Oh, no. Okay. I'm, Are you I'm, thinking I'm, of Jackie McDonald? No, I was thinking Rhonda Birchmore. Oh, Rhonda Birchmore. Oh, that's not a bad guess. It's, it's in that territory. Okay. Can I have a guess so, then? Hold on. Yes, so, sorry, please, I'm sorry, please sorry. Do. I'm jumping in. No, I just want to track back. So, board member of Golf Australia, triple threat, <laughs> Golden Logie winner. All right. Liz, you, Liz. Liz probably already knows it. Just, just take it, Liz. 
Well, I d- Carrie Ann Kennelly. Guys, we welcome to our all star cast of Instagram likes Australian's Golden Girl. No, not Olivia Newton John. That would be way too obvious. Not Kylie Minogue, but the always wonderful Carrie Ann Kennelly. <laughs> oh my God. I've got a story. I have a story. I've got a story. In 2007, I uh, I actually got an opportunity to perform on Kerry Ann's show, and my band was actually introduced by none other than Prime Minister in waiting Kevin Rudd. And if you do wow. Google, if you jump onto YouTube and check it out, it's one of the most hip, suave <laughs> intros to a band you've ever seen. Uh, Kerry Ann Kennelly, um, aka CAC. Cack. Um, yeah, I was thinking Cack, that was <laughs> basically um, Cack and Kevin, Cack and Cack and, Cack and Kev, uh, basically <laughs> introing my band and and talking about jazz music. It was a vibe. Did you so, say you um, could that th- that is to be found on YouTube? That's that's on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. That's oh on my YouTube. god, I have to dig pretty deep though. I mean, look, Carrie Ann Kennelly, definitely a divisive character, but. Perhaps yes, uh, recently divisive. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I guess no more. I mean, sh- there won't be any more golden logies for CAC moving forward. No. Hey, there <laughs> might be. Who knows? She's Who a knows? she's a survivor. She might rise from the ashes like a phoenix. So, Eric, since you were late for the podcast last on Tuesday night, <laughs> maybe you can organise the prize for Liz for guessing the um yes Carrie Ann Kinley. So that yes, would be I, good. Liz, your prize would be in the mail. Yep. Thank um, you. I will um I will reach out to Carrie Ann Kennelly's management this week and let them know that she's been selected as our Instagram like of the week. <laughs> so does that mean that you guys are up to ten? Yeah, we're, up, we're up to 10? ten. I I I wouldn't look. Was I'll be honest. I mean, you know, I mean after after the unfortunate um, redundancies made at uh, Channel <laughs> Ten, 10. <laughs> yeah. I I would like to extend a warm. All Music Is Good podcast invitation yes. to, CAC to come yes. on as a guest reviewer. Yes. I wonder if we could get her phone number. I reckon we could if reckon, we really tried. I Just imagine. I reckon I've got it on an old email. This is Wise from the All Music Is Good podcast. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> once again, Eric, this Instagram segment has fallen flat. Um, well, uh, it's obviously will be the subject of an ongoing hot tub review this week when we both get in our inflatable spas and yes. and break down this episode. Um, <laughs> but Liz, we're really honoured mm. to have you on the show tonight. But uh, you're here to talk music and not speculate on sport, TV, culture, or Clarke's future. I think we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back with our first album of the week. first album we have for you this evening is Husky's Stardust Blues. Um, Husky are an Australian indie band fronted by singer Husky Gawenda and formed in Melbourne in 2007 and their album was released in 2008 under the title Quiet Little Rage. In 2011 and prior to the release of Forever So, Gawenda said unfortunately that record didn't get a proper release and they didn't have a label and they did everything themselves. Um, in March 2011, Husky uploaded History's Door on Triple J Unearthed, which gained attention. Gideon Priest said things started to escalate after Unearthed, and 
they've been doing everything themselves, but they'd signed um, with uh, Bonnie Dalton, who looks after the record label Liberation. Um, in 2011, Husky released Forever So, which was recorded in Gwenda's backyard. The album debuted at number 33 on the ARIA charts. At the, double, at the J Awards of 2011, Husky were nominated for Unearthed Artist of the Year. In February 2012, Husky became the first Australian band to be signed to Sub Pop Records, who released Forever So internationally. And Husky Gawanda also appeared on Rockwiz on 14th of July 2012. That's four years after you did, Liz, so a bit late to the party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at the ARIA Award, Awards Music of 2012, Forever So was nominated for an ARIA Award. Um, in 2014, Husky released the album Rucker's Hill, peaked at number 29 in the ARIA charts, and the band released their third album, Punch Buzz, in 2017, and that also charted at 32. In August 2020, Husky released the album Stardust Blues. The album was written partly in the Westbury Hotel, an old building in Melbourne, in the Melbourne suburb of Balaclava. Eric, you and I both lived in Balaclava. I don't remember mm-hmm. the Westbury. Where's that, man? So there's a street that runs from Dandenong Road all the way through to Balaclava Road, so it crosses oh, Westbury. in Westbury as well. Yeah, and it's on Westbury Street. And uh, yeah, I actually don't know. I don't know the property, but um, but I used to bump it. I used to bump into Husky and Gid regularly on Carlisle Street. So yeah. I can certainly verify that uh, things were happening at the Westbury, uh, the Westbury Hotel. Getting a bit of Polish sausage or some uh, some Glicks delights. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to actually bump into them on the south. Well, I'd bump into them on the north side of Carlisle Street, but on the on the south side of Carlisle Street was a great Polish deli um, where you could get delicious um, pierogi. Anyways, is that, oh yeah, is that the one on uh, on the corner of Woodstock Street? Correct. And we're going to talk a little bit about we're going to talk <sighs> a bit about Woodstock Street shortly. Dude, they used to have the best Debrezina sausage oh, at no that doubt, one. No oh, doubt. No doubt. God, that's another podcast. Anyway, <laughs> um, the first thing I'd like to talk about with this album is um, the engineering and mixing. So, like, all three of us are musicians of a particular age um, who have lived and created music in Melbourne for a number of years, and I'd like to think, to varying degrees, we'd probably all agree that there's a sound um, that's synonymous with with certain cities in the world. And if you unpeel the layers to understand what that's about, like, I think it's pretty obvious, like, you know, X amount of recording studios with X amount of engineers and X engineers training the younger engineers and the workflow and the sound sort of flow across, you know, the studios across the city. So um, from the outset, when I put this album on, I heard a Melbourne band that had released an album that didn't actually sound like it came from Melbourne, um, more like somewhere in the UK. And that really excited me. Um, So I did a bit of research and found out it was produced by a certain Matt Redlich or Redlich, who I noted has worked with you before, Liz. What? Has well, it? apparently he, he had something to do with um, Dyson Stringer and Clora, a live album that you guys did. I was reading in his bio. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> oh, shit, legend. What a no, legend! He, so he was. He was. Um, I think engine. I mean, we haven't done a live album. That's why I'm confused. Like we did a few tracks from Panama. Uh, yes, that's the, one. that's the one. That's yep, him. That's okay, it. sorry. Yeah, yep, so I yep. met him at Panama for one day in March, um, and he was great. <laughs> yep. But I didn't, I, I didn't um, put that together at all. 
Well, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for, Liz. Yes, thank we're gonna, you. We're going to talk you through this. Anyway, you don't have to do all the heavy lifting. That's what we're here for. Um, he um, <laughs> he also worked on the last Ainsley Wills album, which I thought when it came out last year also sounded amazing. I think he's done yeah. a few of them. The guy, the guy is an absolute magician. Mm. Well, I remember texting Ainsley's um, drummer, like Aaron Light at the time, and just telling him, this album sounds amazing. So it's really good to draw the link to who this guy is and what he's worked mm-hmm. on because they sound awesome. Anyway, so the album kicked off with the tune Cut Myself Loose. Um, it's the kind of song that I think you put on a tour van at about 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon, you know, when you sort of three and a half hours out of Melbourne on the way back from Sydney and the night before just got out of control and then you start contemplating your life. But someone's put this song on and you're sort of like staring out into the dry wasteland sort of somewhere south of Yass and you're going, yeah, it was. It's going to be okay. Just chillax. You're going to be home soon. You're going to have a hot shower. It's going to be a cozy bed. So like, I got that sort of comfort from that song. Uh, the second track reminded me of like um, one of my favourite groups from the UK in the 2000s, The Doves, um, whose hi-fi gig was like in one of my top five gigs ever. Um, I just thought there was lots of um, Lennon and McCartney references on a number of songs Absolutely. and – when you when when you're using those sort of elements as writer references, um, only good things happen, I think. So, like, I thought the song "Writing at All Times" was really interesting and lacking in cliche. And you know, the album stretched out, and there was sort of nice understatement and restraint sort of shown, and nice touches of understated orchestration. And I just found it to be a really sort of nice creeper of an album, and just sort of, I just sort of sat back and thought, geez. There's so much amazing music coming out of this city that's some um, sort of criminally underrecognized by mainstream markets. Um, and it's just really well crafted, well written, well played, well produced, and I enjoyed it a lot. So, if I was going to focus on the negatives, um, this is being hypercritical. I thought maybe the album was possibly two songs too long, and um, it might have been more cohesive with a couple of less tunes. Um, and the start, finish, start, middle, and finish might have been more observable, but I loved it. I loved it. I love the tune um, "Kinetic." Um, that was really nice to listen to on a Sunday afternoon, baking bread and reading a paper. But the whole album just flowed. Liz, what did yeah. you think? I. Um, I concur with a lot of what you just said, actually. It, interestingly, like the first time I listened to it, I was driving and I listened to it um, and it didn't, it sort of bounced off me a bit the first time. And then the second and third listens, it really opened up and mm. I was like, oh, this is, because I think it does, it has a very, um, it is, it's very contained um, yes. kind of vibe wise. So it it sort of needs you to kind of step into it a little bit, I found, as a listener, which I love. You know, I I think that's really, that's for me, that's the sign of a, um, like a musical album or something, you know, like there's, there's depth in it and, and, um, yeah. And I, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed it more and more the more I listened to it, actually. And, um, I, I actually, I read a bit about it and saw that it's a, it's a, and I had an inkling that it was about, because you know when you like you listen to a record a couple of times, you can't. It's just impossible to grasp everything that's going on lyrically. Yeah, or it is yeah. for me. But um, <laughs> I, but I, you know, I read that it, that it's a, 
um, it's essentially set over an entire weekend. Like it's a story, it's, oh. it's a, it's a concept album, whatever you, it's a story album. And it, and listening to it in that context, which I already kind of felt like I was doing in, um, gave it an even more, um, that, that's amazing. Beautiful, it made me think like, why don't, why don't more people do concept albums? This is fucking sick. Mm. Like, this is so, this is such a beautiful body of work. Um, yeah. And yeah, I really, I, I hadn't listened to Husky actively before. Like I'd heard some stuff that I liked, um, Mm. but I, yeah, I really, um, I feel like this is a, this is a record that I'll probably pull out every now and then when I'm in, when, when I'm in that mood, you know, which Mm. is not something I say about every album. I was going to say, that's actually a massive compliment. I mean, not right. Like we don't have many of those as individuals and yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Liz. I didn't mention it crap. No, well, that I mean that that was it, really. I I um, yeah, I really really enjoyed it a lot. There's so many left turns on this album. Like the there was just the they embraced the non-obvious. I thought it wasn't your standard sort of first chorus, first chorus bridge. Like it was without being pretentious, you know. Yes, totally. Exactly. Well, that's what I said. It was understated, and they weren't sort of you know they weren't trying to throw any trickery into it. I yeah. didn't think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. What do you think, Eric? Look, I, I, like the second I, like it started, I was like, oh my God, this sounds so good. Yeah. And, um, you know, as, as someone that lived in St Kilda for, well, I guess the last eight years until this year, I, um, I guess I got a bit of an insight into what's popping on that side of town. And there is a studio called Woodstock Studio on Woodstock Street on the corner mm. of the place with the pierogi. And uh, and the it's got a, yeah, and it's got a um, it's got an amazing um, vintage Neve console um, and is well, it's basically Joe Camilleri's joint, but it's currently run by an amazing engineer named Richard Stoles and Matt Redlick, I believe, hired the place to to do the record. And Husky's a, a bit of a regular at Woodstock, and um, there is a particular piece of gear at this studio with an acoustic guitar, which is actually the acoustic guitar we're talking about with the John Kennedy thing <laughs> that um, shows up all over. Are you the getting sponsored by nine fifty nine Gibson guitars? Nine fifty is Gibson guitar. Anyways, I digress. I I think this album. So this was recorded at Woodstock, was it? Yes. That's really exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting, and I just got to say, I, I mean, I've, um, I've listened to lots of Husky's music in the past, and this for me is, is the is the absolute. He's scaling the the absolute pinnacle from from my p- point of view on this album. This is an absolute masterpiece. I thought the production was incredible. That boosh, snare sound. That well, yeah, right. The snare sounds amazing. The yes. snare, my god, the snare. Yeah. Just, but it wasn't dominating just, either. The, the no, drums. It, so it, it, it had that UK production where the drums are sort of down in the background. But yep. you know, and still I present. think she's also playing like super contained too. She like it's, I think that's really, a real really thing. Lightly. You know, yeah. is, her, yeah. is her name yeah. Hannah? Is that her name? I'm not sure. I think her name's Hannah. Maybe I'll have to I look it up so. later. I think so. Can't remember. Yeah. Um, amazing drummer. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, Jules Pascoe on the bass, who's kind of yeah. the you know. Well, I texted him after I listened to this album, just say, Jules, dude, this album's amazing. Yeah, killer. Yeah, it really, really good. And obviously, Gid and Husky have got this thing going that, you know, is family and uh, are, they, really, are they? They are fam, family, are they? They're cousins. They're cousins. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So yep. it, it, it's just remarkable. I, I mean, I th- for me, the songwriting was just incredible that, um, from the harmony to the lyrics. And, um, and to me, it was, uh, you know, hands down his strongest work to date as, a, as an album. And Liz, you touched on the idea of a concept album and, you know, All Music is Good podcast. We really do try to kind of platform the album. So for, a, for an Australian artist to kind of really commit mm. to a concept album, which is really mm. potentially a bit of a dying art form, um, is really, really special. I mean, Husky is an incredible wordsmith um but for him to kind of put it all together in one record is um is just outstanding and uh and i also got these lennon mccartney vibes in particular this song called bruised eye that was my favorite tune was mm. that the one with the lennon the lennon sort of pre-chorus or there was there's it skipped like there's sometimes it felt quite wings-ish and then other times it felt really sort of lennon-ish but then there was a there was a track that had a bit of a day of a day in the life vibe as well like there was heaps of references heaps but but mm. i think you know, it's it's a pretty brave move to kind of, um, you know, uh, reference those kinds of guys without it being like just a complete sort of ode to. Yeah, but, I just yeah. didn't feel like an ode to. It felt like it took, you know, the best parts of that kind of songwriting and harmony and then integrated it into something that was truly 2020 and also truly husky and... Um, mm. For me, that was a that was really really special. I'm I'm so glad we got to review this album because I actually listened to it four times this week. Like it it became, you know, yeah, me too. Said, yeah, as, yeah. That's it. It is 100% on the. I'm going to put this on again for this particular experience. And yeah, and it, it, to be for an artist to kind of uh, have that sort of position in the listener's life is is probably what so many artists really kind of fight for. So. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, well, yeah. I think that's what you aspire to, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, these guys have been doing this for what thirteen years now, and you know, <clears throat> maybe even longer. Yeah. Mate, yeah. Okay. So they've 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 reached that point where they've been playing together for X number of years, or 30, over thirteen years. You know, they've got that connection, and it was really obvious. Hey, Liz, I didn't, I didn't, um, I don't think I caught it. Did you? Do we know what the actual concept was? Well, the concept is. It's a it's a the 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 protagonist or whatever. It's like a weekend in. It was the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Just like so, from you know the whatever it is, the Friday afternoon, Friday night to kind of early mo- Monday morning. And if you listen to it in that context, like it's great. Like it's and it's interesting that you say that it. I agree that it doesn't sound sonically. It doesn't sound like a classic Melbourne album, but it, there's something there's something so colloquial and familiar mm. about it for me as a Melbourne person and yeah. um and I also heard shades of kind of early Dan Kelly and like yeah, okay. that sort of play- playfulness um in it's it what I like about it is that that it doesn't it's not earnest to the point of being irritating it's sort of it has like it it maintains this balance of being kind of serious and emotional without being wanky and in yeah, the same yeah, way yeah. that I think you said that, Arik, with with like musically, clearly they're they're all. I mean, I'm familiar with three of those players particularly, but they're they're clearly all like musically very uh, solid and and have a lot of depth and a lot of palette mm. to play with. But they don't. Nothing. Nothing is ostentatious or stupid no, or yeah. like look at this, you know. Like, and I really, oh yeah, I liked I liked that. 
a lot. Well, I think we all are going to agree on this one. Um, before we rate it, Arik, I'm going to throw it over to you to introduce this week's unofficial rating scale. Okay. <laughs> so for those tuning in for the first time, each week on the All Music is Good podcast, we like to, sh- to shout out our unofficial sponsor of the week. The unofficial sponsor of the week uh, has not sanctioned this partnership, nor <laughs> has any under- n- knowledge of the podcast, nor the fact that they're about to be promoted to our vast following of 15 people. Fast. Um, so there's been a lot of conjecture around how we do this. And uh, I can tell you was, I mean, you know, I guess, uh, you know, uh, you better week. beat last week's one. The Budrum Tavern rating scale was just amazing. That was really great. Um, so sometimes <laughs> we shout out a concept. Sometimes we shout out, you know, um, you know, a new and exciting development taking place in the Sunshine Coast. <laughs> but this week, this week, I I have the great honour to shout out our unofficial sponsor for this week's episode. JBS Plumbing. Oh. Who who is this? So, JBS Plumbing are located at number one called Highway Dickers Rest, Victoria 3427. Uh, A little bit about JBS Plumbing taken from their white pages entry on Google. (laughs) We aim to provide a professional and friendly service whilst maintaining high standards of service at a competitive rate. Jason is the owner and operator of JBS Plumbing. He's a fully qualified, licensed and insured plumber and gas fitter. With over 20 years in the industry, Jason has gained experience and expertise in all aspects of plumbing. All work is carried out by our team who are all qualified, experienced plumbers who know their trade well and are committed to providing professional plumbing service. JBS Plumbing and Plumbing Repairs deliver quality residential plumbing services to homes. Whether you need help with your general household plumbing repairs, unblocking drains and sewers, or even installing or repairing your hot water service, you can rest assured that our team of highly skilled plumbers will look after all your plumbing needs. JBS So just to give you a bit of context, I mean, we don't just throw this shit around willy-nilly. I mean, we need to have had an experience with JBS Plumbing. How late were they, Eric? Well, I'm not going to talk about their punctuality. I'm going to talk about <laughs> their premium service. So I've been living in uh, in this house in Brunswick with a non-stop uh, leak in the roof. And we had Jason and his team have been attending on the reg throughout COVID and um, and there was a little bit of a bit of a standoff last week when um, <laughs> when when Jason attended without a mask, and I was like, "Hey, man, you know, you might have been at like five different properties." Yeah, that's um, how they roll and dig his rest. They yeah, I was like, you know, um, do you mind putting a mask on? And then it it, es- it kind of things escalated <laughs> a little bit, and then he's like, well, "You put a mask on." I was like. <laughs> Okay, I'll do. I'll put a mask on too, um, and then, uh, anyways, that's not that's not what we want to harp on about because actually we're here to talk about the plumbing service, and I can tell you today, <laughs> after <laughs> terrestrial 
torrential rain over the last mm. few weeks. Over like a few nights ago, we had torrential rain. JBS Plumbing have delivered in fixing our leak, and they could well and truly deliver in fixing your leak, both nice physically and metaphorically. Um, JBL, JBL or JBS? JBS. <laughs> JBS. JBS. JBS plumbing. plumbing. Number one quarter highway diggers rest Victoria three four two seven. This week's unofficial all music is good podcast sponsor. Okay, well, we know, what's the rating scale then? How many masks Jason has to put on before he can come in the door? Like, what is it? What are we doing? Well, look, I've never been good at this. Was this is kind of your um, your terrain? What? Uh, I mean, look, Liz, do you I, want to throw I, something out there? I'll give you the context. I've got a feeling the leak had to do with a blocked um, gutter, so that mm. could be part of it. It could it could also be how many droplets. Um, how many droplets you uh, you you prevent from wearing a mask whilst attending? <laughs> how many how many kilometers out of Digger's Rest should Jason have really officially travelled before he That's true. shouldn't have left? Five kilometer radius. <laughs> that could be a thing. Um, yeah. It could also be how many. Uh, oh God, there's so there's so many places we could go. So many plumbing things. I mean, how many hours late with Jason to his next call out of ten? You know, I mean, there's so many. I think it should just be how many masks Jason like, put I mean, on. Plumbers tend to do pretty good, so I'd probably say how many how investment much, properties how you, yeah. <laughs> does the plumber have? <laughs> That's good. I like that. Like With that. ten being the most, the, the best. The, yeah, the ten Jason has an investment property. The ten being a, a full, full portfolio, and one yes. being you know an entry point into um you know. That's right. Because you've got to have at least one. He wouldn't have zero. No, that's right. It's either yeah. that or jet yeah. skis. It's one of the two. It's either- <laughs> Jet skis. Jet skis is, yeah. yeah. That's speaking to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. How really... many jet skis is he taking down to Ocean Grove this weekend? How That's many? Right. What Which size trailer has yeah. Jason got? Yeah. That's right. How annoying is Jason going to be to local beach girls this weekend? Yes, we we have. I have got um, LR Legal on the hook to ensure that we are not. <laughs> Breaking We're not sued. Absolutely. All right. So, okay. So, how many jet skis does JB, JBS? JBS. 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 Okay. All right. So, I'm going to kick it off. Oh, I don't want to kick it off. I want to see what everyone else rates, but okay, I'm going to start. Okay. Good. Thanks, Eric. I'm going to go straight. I'm going to go straight in. I, I was, I was blown away by this album. I loved it. I'm going all the way to the top. I'm going to give this a 10 jet ski out of the 10. Wow. Jet ski. Wow. Space. I loved it. I it, it gave it gave a feeling to me. It it, it mm. I feel as though I was truly inside the story and yeah. the sound was just so remarkable that like I was also just super proud that this has happened in our town. Yeah. So yep. for me, it was like, I'm, like hands down, ten out of ten. Ten jet skis out of potential ten jet skis. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll go next. Um, I'm gonna also get the big trailer out because Ooh. there's gonna be a lot of jet skis <laughs> on this trailer. 
it's got to have a pneumatic uh, sort of lifting thing where they all come off at once into the water. You brought the bar. <laughs> Jason might have to get his wife to bring another car down with another trailer just to fit them all on. I think. Um, look, I don't give 10s, you know that, Arik, except I did give one 10 once, and this is not a 10. But like you, I'm so excited that an album sounding like this is coming out of this town because I just think it's really important to have diversity, and this is this is important, and I, and I loved it. So I'm going to say I'm going to give it eight jet skis and also another half a jet ski that's got to be repaired that will also go on the trailer to come down to Dramana. Um, so eight and a half jet skis out of ten. That's a good, that's a Liz, good jet ski count. That is, yeah. Well, it's going to be an irritating day for beachgoers down at, at Dramana <laughs> because <laughs> the bay is going to be swarming. Be <laughs> With jet skis. But... Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna give it nine. I don't. I, I don't feel. I feel that I'm too new at this to go for ten. Go for gold straight away. But I did. I really. I really loved it. And also, um, as I mentioned to you, was <clears throat> I haven't really. When you were like, "Oh, can you talk about you know an album that you've liked this year?" And I'm like, I haven't really listened to many. To be perfectly honest, I just I had a like weird music. year. I yeah. don't. I, I just only listen to my records, and you yeah. refuse to let me do one of them. So, but I, but I. I when I was I had this great feeling of um excitement to like listening to this record and just being like that's right music is amazing and there are so mm. many talented people all over um and it, you know yeah I just really it 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 really was a um a real sort of bloom for me to listen to this so yeah nine jet skis Okay, well, that's a nine jet skis from Liz, ten from Arik, and a eight and a half jet skis on the JBS jet ski unofficial rating scale, and that was Husky Stardust Blues. So the next album we have for you this evening is Stevan's Just Kids mixtape. Arik, what do you think of it? Okay, so for those unfamiliar with Stevan's work, hailing from the beachside town of Wollongong, New South Wales, 18-year-old musician Stevan is a young musical powerhouse on the rise. The multi-talented producer, singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist combines his many musical skills to create woozy, dreamlike pop songs and defy genres and classification. Influenced by his early adolescence, sorry, influenced in his early adolescence by his father's cassette collection, which featured musical greats such as Bob Marley, Al Green, Stevie Wonder, Stevan began to develop an interest in music and taught himself the drums. Soon after, his older cousin came to live with his family and exposed Stevan to his collection of underground hip hop mixtapes and bootlegs um, from the likes of Childish Gambino, Frank Ocean, Kendrick Lamar, and Joey Badass which he immediately connected with. This musical discovery deepened his interest in music and the collision of the classic and contemporary is evident in his sound today, which infuses classic R&B songwriting with modern production. Stevan expanded his musical ability and taught himself guitar by watching live videos of John Mayer on YouTube and started making beats by emulating production masters such as Pharrell Williams and Kanye West. Over time, his musical prowess 
evolved and he began putting demos on SoundCloud, quickly gathering a loyal underground fan base and attracting industry attention. The last 18 months have been a time of rapid change for Stevan, including recently graduating from high school. He was signed to the US label Honeymoon Records, an imprint of Lior Cohen's 300 Entertainment, alongside a notorious roster which includes the likes of Rage Snow and Anna of the North. On top of all of this, Stevan has become Astral People's latest management signing, sitting alongside fellow Australian artist Cosmo's Midnight, Winton Surf Shirt and Milan Ring. His debut single Time boasts sorry, his debut single Time boasts Stevan's greatest songwriting to date, featuring laid back guitar licks, lo fi drums and instantly catchy vocal harmonies. With an arsenal of musical and talent and a devoted fan base, Stevan is on his way to big things. Okay, so we are reviewing um, his most recent mixtape called Just Kids. So I might lead with this, and it's actually kind of really interesting um, reading through the bio and then reflecting on my notes for the record. Um, are you going to self-congratulate yourself here, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> Tick. No, no, no. Tick. Tick. Nailed it all. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think that, like, look, I um, I guess you know, the generation before Stevan's generation was called the iPod generation, you know, where you'd basically iPod shuffle your way through like the collection of music that you owned, and then there's this new generation that literally have access to the entire mm. history of music, and. And and f- and uh, you know obviously deeply avid listeners and and try to integrate all of these elements into their own production. Um, so for me, I kind of um, you know hearing that and hearing about okay, um, you know he was influenced by his father's cassette collection, um, which featured Bob Marley, Al Green, and Stevie Wonder. Well, I guess my first question is, um, um, I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be a dick and go really. <laughs> Cassettes? You're 18 years old. That's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's 2002, yeah. man. You know, that's like 2010, basically. But look, I don't, I don't know, I don't know <laughs> the entire story. Um, Maybe you but, grew up in a in some sort yeah. of cult that a cassette. That's you know. true. Yeah, and look, I mean, I look, I know, I know, definitely in regional Australia, cassettes are definitely still a real big deal. But anyway, Wollongong. Yeah, Wollongong's, Wollongong's not regional. But anyways, I digress. Um, uh, cassettes are cool, right? So um, my take on this was it sounded sort of di- partly influenced by like a kind of Tame Impala psychedelia, but a bit hmm. more beatsy. Um, it certainly felt like, uh, you know, ready-made for a Triple J which is the, you know, Australian broadcast, like the most famous sort of Australian broadcaster for uh, the youth market here in Australia. Um, it definitely just feels ready to rock. I, I do not doubt the potential of this to be absolutely massive um, in this country. Um, but I think there was, a you know, the, there were some things where, I, and it's not—it's not a criticism. It's, it's actually a really cool thing. I love the idea. It's called a mixtape because it actually feels entirely like mm. that. It feels like yeah. an artist who's 
going, I like all sorts of shit and I'm not going to be put into a box and, and, and I'm, and I'm not going to just do what I, you know, I'm instructed to do as a means of tapping into a particular niche or a particular scene. I think, I think the, you know, the artist is well and truly been given the freedom here to do whatever the hell they want. And I'm really into that. Um, I guess conceptually as as a young artist, 18-year-old kid sort of coming up, um, objectively, uh, not entirely my cup of tea, um, but that's really not important because I'm 38 years old and I could actually be his father. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> listening to tapes. So, I, I mean, you know, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm really conscious of, of, my voice not really being particularly relevant in in kind of dissecting Stevan's work. I, I would say, wow, awesome! Eighteen year old kid experimenting through all these genres, all these sounds, t- tapping in all these influences, and just being completely bold in doing so. And to me, that's just a massive tick um, from a really really critical point of view. And again, I start to sound like his high school musical music teacher <laughs> rather than like uh, a cool guy. But I would have said that lyrically, um, I, I didn't really kind of get sucked into the lyrics. Um, but again, um, I'm, I don't believe I'm the audience for those lyrics. So I'm, I guess I'm conscious of that. I think broadly, really cool sound, really cool start for an artist and and and, and massive props to like kind of standing by the whole mixtape thing and, and, and releasing it commercially as opposed to it just being on soundcloud so that's that's my review what about you was well first i agree with i feel quite old when he said i listened to my uncle's tapes of um (laughs) what were the what were the references again joey badass and um pharrell williams and kanye west pharrell williams kanye west and the other one who just came what's the What's the other one? The first one you said. Uh you guys. Uh, production master just Pharrell Williams and Kanye West. Um, and then oh, and then there was uh, oh yeah, Childish Gambino, Frank Frank Ocean. Yes, yeah, Frank Ocean. I'm just like Frank Ocean. My God, that's only like about eight years ago. I mean, God, feels so well, old. Like, he doesn't have a, he's only, yeah, eighteen. I mean, I know it's so young, isn't it? Yeah. What were you doing when you were 18? Were you putting out mixtapes on international record labels? I was I was like <laughs> hanging out, hanging I was hanging out at like a 21-year-old guy's house um on a Friday <laughs> night watching Woodstock 99 and then <laughs> heading over and then heading over to 7-Eleven from the Narco bar. <laughs> What's a Narco bar? I don't even remember oh, those. Mate. Oh, no, classics, jeez. Really? If you had said whip, I might have been there, but Monaco, no. Um, pretty amazing to hear of the uh, Leo Cohen hookup and link, I thought. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, yeah, for, amazing. For those who don't know, like, his history, like, have a listen to the uh, Bob Left Sets podcast. There's one for you, Liz. Um, he has a great two-hour chat um, with Leo about his history. Um, he ran Def Jam recordings. He was president of Warner Music and basically just talks about the state of modern music, how it's marketed and monetized. So it's really an interesting listen. And he's a heavy-duty guy. Heavy-duty guy. I think he actually oversees YouTube's music offering um, these days. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. 
Like this is top of the tree. I, I just think it's amazing how global Australians are becoming on this sort of scene. Like, you know, obviously we have the Sears and the Tame Impalas um, are examples I'm thinking of, but like also like a flume, I guess, who's like blazed a trail for like especially electronic producers. Mm-hmm. And um, like there's a heap of them. Like, I mean, Stevens is not strictly um, electronic, but I reckon that's the sort of artist that's flooding in behind artists like, Flume, who have opened the door to Australian artists in this respect. Um, like, to be honest, Liz, I need to apologise to you because I was fully expecting a Roots Country like folk album to appear in our inboxes this week. <laughs> oh, throw down. I've completely <laughs> pigeonholed your musical tastes. I probably, like, I probably should be demoted to the bench and Clark yes, needs to have a good talk bench. to me. Yeah. yeah. You can't. Clark or Jeff, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Jeff has to like pillow me across the press for a full week. For- it was. I mean, basically, you know, on that logic, all you listen to is boogie music, right? <laughs> that's not true. That is not true. <laughs> it is maybe for the last three years, possibly. But before then, I was listening to like boogie <laughs> and other non-boogie, but close to boogie sort of albums. Anyway, um, uh. As you sort of said, Eric, it's got that sort of off-kilter indie vibe. Uh, the production's lovely. Um, I thought the songwriting was consistent. Like, for me, there was nothing much to poke holes at. Um, but at the same time, there's nothing really grabbing me either. Um, I don't I don't know. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Like, I really like track two, Warm, and that sort of seemed to set up the album for somewhere to go. And then it sort of led into the probably what was the highlight song and the and the radio-friendly song, which was No More Regrets. I had that catchy lead synth line. And I sort of it, I got that sort of pumped-up kids sort of vibe about that song. And that sort of felt like where the market for this music was. was um, It's a really lush slice of funky indie pop. Yeah, as, as you said, Eric, it's like got Triple, Day, Triple J R, uh, Darlings, uh, song artist slash artist artist, uh, all over this, but I just thought it kind of meandered along after sort of track three and not necessarily in a bad way, but I guess I think I was hoping for more with this album after its start and it just didn't give it to me. Um, so I'm not disappointed. I just thought maybe, like, I mean, you made the point that it's a mixtape and it was a mishmash of a whole bunch of things, but um, I just thought it was a bit, it wasn't very cohesive. Uh, so I... I just couldn't fully get into it, but I think for a young artist, like it's a it's an awesome start, and it shows promise of like really good things to come. Do you think well as like the you know, and thinking about this whole like looking at an album as an album kind of thing, um, and thinking about you know, I mean, we're not talking about there was the iPod generation, and you know, looking at the age factor and what this artist has come up you know, doing, he's like post iPod generation. So when thinking about like what albums might look like from young artists in the future, um, you know, is there anything that you kind of think about that in relation to, you know, we're so trained to go, well, you know, all of it, all of us 30 to 40 year olds are like, oh, concept album. I love that. And then <laughs> an, an 18 year old yes. comes through and basically... Yeah. Well, there are no um, rules. They just break the rules. They just do what they want, and I, I'm all for that. Is that what you what you're saying? Like, well, no, I just, yeah, I'm just sort of saying that, like, the concept of what an album looks like, you know, driven by by kids born after the year 2002, is of, of course going to be a really different 
kind of take? I don't, I don't know how to answer that question because I think we got into this last week and I'm not going to bore Liz with that our scathing review of Cash Page's album that we gave zeros for where it was basically just an album aimed at TikTok um, where it was just like hook, 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 another hook and then that's it for two minutes. So, uh, you know, if you want to say... This wasn't, but this wasn't that, right? This wasn't... Of course it wasn't. This wasn't that at all. Like this was sort of maybe this is what somewhat a modern take on what, you know, they... They, they take a, a pinch of this and a pinch of that. Like, I, I just find music today, especially in this genre, is more of a fusion of a whole bunch of stuff. And that's obviously because, you know, they have access to Spotify and iTunes and they get bombarded with all these musical tastes. So music that's coming today is really uncohesive, but not, that's not necessarily a bad thing, I don't think. It's just just how they mm-hmm. consume music and the influences that um, are thrown at them. So this is the end result, I think. That's my take on it. I'll probably change my mind next week. But yeah. um, you put me on the spot, and I don't think that's a bad way to think of it. Um, yeah, Liz, yeah, yeah. what did you reckon? Yeah, this was a really interesting one. Um, I knew nothing about this this kid. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought he was 20. I don't know why I thought it – and then when you said he was 18, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is just getting more and more ridiculous. But um, <clears throat> I think um, – Again, like the, I feel like context is important in with for this album for this artist because because his his age is like to me it just kind of sm- like sm- and and it, I I I'm trying to make a like a really positive analogy here. I I, I started saying it in my mind and it sounded fucked, but um, <laughs> it's just like he's like a very precocious kid like playing around with a bunch of like paint and doing whatever the fuck he wants. And like, he's clearly very musical, you know, in the same, like I, the the first track that I heard was um, no more regrets. And I, I'm, I love, I love really lush production. Like I I love like layers and like lots of lush BVs and, and kind of, um, that's real. That I and I, I loved that that whole kind of turnaround in the chorus is just really cool. And um, I when I listened to the whole record, I was like, it sort of starts off and it's like, oh, this is like a little bit Beach Boys and a bit like like it's yeah, yeah. it's got so much in it. And um, yeah. I just thought it was a really, if this was a record that was made by, you know, <laughs> someone my age, maybe I'd be <laughs> yeah. like. Yeah, whatevs. But I, but I think this is just going. This is kind of, you know. And I mean, no one has their 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 kind of creative voice honed or whatever at at eighteen. You know. So you're saying you got a special Liz Stringer scale rating for ages of artists? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this a new thing? Five jet skis plus. <laughs> Minus his if, age if, plus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like algebra. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I really, I mean, I really enjoyed it without getting, without being particularly engaged in it as, as well mm. it was. Like I get, yep. I get yep. what both of you are saying. Like I just kind of went, this is a, you know, this is a, the sort of um, p- potential that I think is really, exciting and great and actually isn't particularly i think m- maybe is a kind of a new branch of australian music but it but is very hmm. new like 
um, <clears throat> that sort of um, lack of um, what's the word like lack of self consciousness or something like. Yeah, I like that he's just kind of doing whatever. And some of the yeah. riffs are sort of like, yeah. oh, that's the fucking laziest riff I've ever heard or whatever. But it's like, yeah. it's he just sort of went, I'm just going to do all this cool stuff because um, I feel like it and it's in my brain and I'm good at it and um, yeah, and, and I really put it out. exactly. And I think that's really cool. I think I, I'm really, despite the fact that he had, um, and even his voice really reminded me of like a few people. There's like a, like all of these really interesting influences that I kept hearing. Yeah. But I think that he does already, like, you know, I would not have expected that record to come out of Wollongong. I don't know. Like, it's <laughs> no. just like a he just had a cool, I think particularly, and Arik, that was a good point that you made. Like, I think if I was, you know, t- 15 to 25, I would be consuming this record in a totally different way. And as yep, it is, yeah. as someone that is also w- well old enough to be his mother, um, <laughs> I, I think, I just or think auntie. like, <laughs> or auntie, that's right. Like, good on him. What a what a legend. Like what like yeah. what a cool and you know, that sounded patronizing, but I do No, it's I not. Do, we get it. You know, I recognize All music is good. Him. All music is good. Put music out. Totally. Do it. Create. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, yeah. just print it. Chuck it at the Dig wall. It. Yeah. Go for it, man. Because I well, just one more point that I would make is that in in this age of like any dickhead can buy an interface, as I proved <laughs> earlier. Um you, you, you can use it though, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big With step. some help, but I, I got there. But I, I kind of do. What I liked about this record is that I, and the whole vibe and the sound and and what I what I found very anchoring was his obvious talent in it. Mm-hmm. It's like I think I would much rather listen to that than some overproduced fucking pop. Uh. Like Agreed. melt on the tongue, fairy floss bullshit, you know? Like yeah, I, yeah. I guess what I mean is like there's so many people that are kind of doing it and putting out a lot of content, but is, I really quote like of the week. Sorry. <laughs> that is absolute, that is... Just let's just time mark that Eric. Yeah, yeah, I've time marked it. <laughs> but well, I really, the whole thing I... is that's the whole thing. Like the yeah. bedroom producer is is a big thing. Like one of my favorite artists of last year, like of one of the few albums I listened to was this girl called Jay Som out of San Francisco, mm, and she just mm, does lush mm. indie pop in her bedroom. Yeah. And it's just awesome, and it's real, and it's you can put your right, finger yeah. on it, it feels organic. It's not not overproduced. It's just her producing mu- music. And what happens is that the talent comes shining through. If you've got the talent and the ability, then that will connect. Yeah. You're right. And, and you know, as opposed to even when we were sort of coming up, it's like someone like this this guy – could be um, making music of this quality um, and, it, you know, like yeah. I think he's just going to go like he's like we'll have an exponential, yeah. few, like very quick progression and he could have been like that music could have remained never heard, you know, and yeah, now like it's like might... maybe you do need to wade but like through some of the, the mud you do. but you do That's come right. across these gems which is like this guy is a seriously talented musician and is going to be making some really, like I'm really happy that I'll know him now and when I see his next record I'll be like, I'm going to check it out and it's probably going to be rad, you know, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. cool. And the All Music the All Music is Good podcast is here to help you wade through that mud, aren't we, Eric? That's true. I mean, I was going to say, Liz, like if you rewinded 20 years, 
um, this kid would have probably had like the Acid Pro software and would have been making Psytrance. <laughs> totally. Um, and, you know, guilty as charged. Um, but, the, but the point is... Are you saying you're a misunderstood genius from 20 years ago? I'd say so. That's kind of where I'm going with this. But, um, look, you know, I think that's a, that's a really exciting thing. I, I do want to just get your take on one thing before we get to our... Um, JBS plumbing rating scale. Um, what what's your take on uh, the you know when you look at artist bios and they say the multi talented producer, singer, songwriter, and multi instrumentalist? Because I tend to check out um, at that sort of Renaissance man type description. I'm mm. I'm I'm a big believer of, uh, and this that's exactly why I'm irrelevant. But um, I'm a big I'm a big believer of like not doing everything yourself. I think there's something yeah. there's an amazing mm. thing that comes with bringing like skilled or you know highly skilled humans into your creative process. And I feel as though in 2020 um, we're living through this era where if you if you're not the everything, then you're kind of like just not yeah. that particularly talented. So if you're if you're a gun singer um, that co-writes with someone and then gets a producer to make your record, you're nowhere near as quote unquote talented as that, you know, artist that is a self-produced multi-instrumentalist mix mastering engineering marketing <laughs> yeah. department. What do you what do you what do you guys think about that? Is that do you feel like that's a bit of a dated uh, position? I mean, was you might be able to talk about it in you know in relation to um, you know uh, your kids and I don't know I don't know you go go someone take this, Liz, you take it. Well, I I think it is like a bit of a thing, sort of like the you know the Kanye West um, yep. vibe. Um, and the you know Anderson Pack and all these dudes who mm. kind of play everything and and do everything and and I I don't know I think it's I think it's I mean I agree like I I'm sort of like at the moment um you know I'm I'm kind of the Kanye West of Coburg North right now <laughs> <With> <laughs> <In> the- <laughs> your yeah yeah that I'm not quite sure how to use yet but um. In that I, you know, so I'm recording at home and, and, um, but it's always like, it's so important, no matter how kind of brilliant you are, and we're no longer talking about me, but like, no matter how (laughs) amazingly kind of, you know, sparkly witted you are, you still are only having, you're coming from your own perspective. And I think regardless of who's standing opposite you, it just opens up a whole other 180 degrees of influence mm. and ideas and I, so I totally agree with you like I think I think it's kind of it's like well I mean that's great that you can do all that stuff but it I, I, it doesn't it doesn't sort of make me go oh well this is more impressive than someone that mm. has just made a record or yeah yeah and there is something yeah. amazing that happens sorry I was just quickly onto what Liz said there is something amazing when you push back against a collaborator right like you, totally it, it yeah for, it forces you to really kind of either like stand by your idea or 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 integrate another another take on it totally and i don't and and ultimately if you have i mean part of what i think has been really good for me working with producers is that 
it's honed, it's forced me to, to um, kind of make decisions about things and, and yeah, like kind of hone, hone my own tastes and what I like and what I don't like. Mm. And mm-hmm. because you're not just going like, oh, that'll do, like I can do that. I, yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. I don't think that it, I don't think that it can be a bad thing unless you don't get on, in which case you just deal with it. <laughs> You just fire you them. Know, fire the asshole. You just you just fire them. Get someone else. Yeah. <laughs> get a get a couple of jet skis out the back of the studio and just like fire them up. <laughs> jet. <laughs> um, I reckon. I think the arguments. I think the arguments a bit of a mute point to be honest. So I think there's advantages for both. I mean, you know, the fact that yeah. you can do a whole bunch of things is has massive advantages in the beginning of a project um, because you can sort of hone your ideas, get them all down. Um, and that can be really, really important. Um, but you know, on the flip side, having some a co-collaborator is brings so much to a project. So, from a marketing point of view, I just don't read anything into that when they say multi-instrumentalist, unless it's Anderson Pack, Liz, as you said, or your you good self out in Coburg North, who obviously <laughs> have the skills to pay the bills. But um, yeah, it doesn't mean much to me. Anyway, let's. It's it's good. What I'm saying. It's all good. Doesn't matter. Um, let's get on to the uh, the jet uh, the jet ski rating scale, the JVS jet ski unofficial rating scale. Um, I'll kick it off. I'm going to give this. Uh, I'm going to give this. I'm just going to take one trailer down to Dramana this this weekend, but it's going to be a little bit full. But it's going to be a. Oh, I was going to give it a six and a half. I think I'm going to give it a six. Six jet skis. Six from John from at JBS. Well, yeah, John six, or Jake? Six, John or Jake? No. Uh, his, his name. What's his is... name? You forgot his name. <laughs> He's been Jason. 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 Thank you, Liz. <laughs> so, <laughs> so was it six jet skis? Six jet skis to um, basically um, house the hobby of Jason when he's not fixing roof leaks. He's happy with – he should be happy with six. Yeah. I'll take the next one. Look, for me, um, like I'm I'm all for supporting young artists, but part of supporting it is also to, you know, be an older, an older uncle and go, <laughs> cool, like that's great. And, and you know, and, and you know, you're at the starting line and and uh, let's, uh, let's get moving and I can't wait to see what happens next. For me, it's a solid five jet skis out of a potential mm. jet – 10 jet skis but that's not to take away from like this remarkable effort by a young artist um and i'd, I'd much sooner like to uh give five jet skis and go let's let let's get it to eight jet skis when you're you know 19 because let's face it kids make records <laughs> yes. and, you yeah know, they're prolific <laughs> so i'm really looking forward to um their next their next output i think they're only going to you know go to strength to strength five Jet skis from me, courtesy of Jason's um, side hustle <laughs> on the weekend. Cool. Um, I'm going to go, I feel like Margaret Pomerantz for some reason. <laughs> what do you think, Margaret? <laughs> oh, David. <laughs> oh, how dare I can't believe you gave it a three. I can't believe you gave it a five. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give it an eight because, I, like, I feel like wow. a bit like an a bit like an auntie as well. In that, I I just feel like I, you know, I can see something in this kid that's really great, and I think. So um, you're saying it's only one worse than Husky's album? I no. Well, <laughs> was don't 
please don't question the number of jet skis that I'm facing down at Dramana. Sorry, Fuck. I would never dare. Sorry. I, you know, I rate, I rate things highly. But, no, I do, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like the, the potential is, this is like dripping with potential. I think it's yeah. rad. Okay. So Liz is giving this a dripping with potential eight <laughs> out of ten jet, jet skis. ski dripping, <laughs> just dripping. being lifted, leveraged out of the ocean, out of the bay, dripping it's with been potential. Polished. It's been polished <laughs> with a mixture of seawater and uh, what's that stuff you buy? Armor all. Armor all is it? Armor all. You've got Probably. a car to put on your Ford Laser or whatever you've got. What have you got? It's Ikea. Um, Fiesta, mate. Fiesta, sorry, Ford Fiesta. Um, Liz is giving it a dripping 8 out of 10. Rx giving it a 5 out of 10. And I've given it a 6 out of 10 on the JBS Jason unofficial jet ski rating scale. That was Devon's Just Kids mixtape. The third album we have for you this evening is Max Richter's Voices. Arik, do you want to set it up for us? Sure. So, uh, I guess I'll tell you guys a little bit about Max Richter. So, Max Richter is born March March 22nd, 1966, and he's a German-born, German-British composer and pianist. He works with post-minimalism and in the meeting of contemporary, classical and alternative popular musical styles. Richter is classically trained, having graduated in composition from the Royal Academy of Music and studied with Luciano Berio in Italy. Richter also composes music for stage, opera, ballet and screen. He's collaborated with other musicians as well as with performance, installation and media artists. He's recorded eight solo albums and his music is widely used in cinema. As of December 2019, Richter has passed 1 billion streams and 1 million album sales. And I could probably safely say that 10,000 of those streams is me listening to the album Sleep. Uh, But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, His most recent record is titled Voices. So, who wants to start? (laughs) Look, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be to be really honest, I I didn't give this record. I didn't have time to give it the time that it deserves. So I don't. Yeah. I I um. I really I really enjoyed it, but I think I just would like you guys to talk about it, and then I can say something later. She didn't want to give it the time, Eric. Okay, let me go, Eric, because you've got a lot to say about it. I'll get into it. Couldn't be fucked. <laughs> That's Liz Stringer there. Music is good. All music <laughs> is good. All right. The big question for me, Eric, was always going to be, do you listen to the side with the vocals on it or the ones without? So, like, we went off the deep end with that Beyonce visual album and I didn't want a repeat of that debacle. So after 30 <laughs> seconds of the vocal album, I got really scared and so I flipped straight to the music side. So this album got reviewed by me whilst on a Sunday afternoon walk around the uh, the inner Oakley region. I actually took the Oakley to Huntingdale route this time, which is a bit more sort of, it's more dangerous doing that route. It's it's, it's the road less travelled, so you could a, say. It's a cruel route. It's a cruel route. There's an element of danger in that walk. There's just some graffiti on walls and overgrown 
You know, tag, shrubbery. Tag the tags, <laughs> yep. The, the, the shrubbery that's sort of creeping onto the footpath. God. Anyway. I miss Oakley. I was going to say, I, I miss Oakley. I cannot wait to come and visit you in Oakley. Go ahead, Woods. <laughs> we'll do it. It'll happen soon. Um, look, there'll be a heap of scenarios where, for me, this album would not have worked. Um, like a lot of instrumental albums don't work for me, but the Sunday Arvo Walk from Oakley to Hunting Dar was the perfect playtime for me to listen to this. Um, blissed out string orchestra, orchestrated music over a number of melodic themes. Um, uh, Liz, both Eric and I have had to openly admit we, we're completely out of our depth in reviewing a number of genres on this pod. Um, like we, I don't, I don't have a reference point for a lot of stuff, but I'm hoping to say, Eric, that. At episode 200, I'll be able to make comments like, I really like this, like, Lars Van Micah album, but, you know, can you hold it up to Max Richter's, you yeah. know, voices? <laughs> like, I, I think not. So uh, that's what I'm hoping to get to. <laughs> the, I thought this was a really beautiful album, and thanks for selecting it, Eric. Um, um, I liked it enough on side B that I then ventured onto side one with the voices. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I thought it really lifted it after sort of understanding what the music was. Um, and I was sort of getting, I was sort of hearing the sentiments behind sort of, you know, the speeches and the vocals and, you know, what, what he was trying to convey through the music. Um, so you'll be glad to know I'm not going to relate this to some sort of hypothetical French foreign film about nothing. Uh, but <laughs> I'll just say that there's a time and place for this kind of album. And I seem to stumble. I, I stumbled on one of those times and I really liked listening to it. The one thing that was nagging at me, though, was that I kind of wanted a third version of the album where, like, there'd be this, like, EDM hi-hat topper. It would just slowly fade in. And then, like, a sparkly synth pad would come in. And then this two-minute epic build-up. And then there'd be a drop and then the kick drum would just like hook in and then i'd be like like at some rave at three in the morning just like off shops with my hands in the air yeah oh so was crying out for that <laughs> you do you remember that um i was you remember william Orbit back in 2000 did a remake of barber's adagio for strings and man i would cut loose to that song oh, back in the day shapes mate Cut, cut shapes down at the Docklands. Oh, <laughs> so there's there's another genre I was into, not just boogie. Um, I uh, and then like today I was listening to a couple of tracks and I was sort of thinking, oh, this sounds like exit music. Oh, to a film by um had some of those vibes. Uh, there was one track that clearly stood out to me, and it's actually so painfully beautiful that it was so far ahead of all the others. And you're going to love me for this, Eric, because this is going to just tie straight into your classic last track of the album. And you know which one I'm talking about because it's called Mercy. If they get a sync team behind this track, um, it's going to go gangbusters on movies, behind, you know, you know, Volvo car ads, all sorts of stuff. You know, it's it's right there. It was a beautiful piece. I loved it so much. Mm. And... Um, did I love the album? I, I really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was great. So go ahead and, and give us your diatribe on Max Richter's voices. Is this me or is this Liz? Well, Liz doesn't no, my, my... give a diatribe. <laughs> I'll jump in next. Then. Okay. Um, look, I 
I got into Max Richter via an older release of him of his, and it was titled Sleep, and it's basically just this, you know, you know, quintessentially beautiful sort of piano music with you know, deli- you know, delicious sounding, you know, hymn esque choirs, and uh, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I listened to it regularly when I go to sleep and it's called sleep and it's for a reason it's there to put me to sleep and um and then I guess that was a huge hit for him which then spurred interestingly was that you mentioned uh this kind of I was waiting for the remix thing because thereafter there was an album called Max Richter Sleep Remixes which was an actual you know electronic music type um thing so he I reckon he's completely uh, he gets it and he knows that he's got this little spot where people are going to want to remix and resample these incredibly lush sort of continental European sounds. Um, and it helps you to go to sleep, does it? And it does. And it's like, like, like truly, it's, 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 I can't, I mean, I cannot recommend that album enough, but I guess that's well, not well, what we're can, can I just interject for a section? A second, there's like someone whose profession is working in a sleep disorders um, laboratory. Like, that's I'm sort true, of a bit confused true. why you would not talk to me about it rather than listen to Max Richter. I should. I should <laughs> actually I should be speaking more directly with you. The problem is, though, was I'm, I'm always delayed. So yeah, you're always late I'm to always call late. me. And... <laughs> so, look, for me, this, this album... Um, literally just felt like a kind of continuation of sleep in so much so that I was like, am I listening to sleep or am I listening to voices? Like, mm. you know, the same sort of sound, the same sound palette. Um, and again, like I guess it was doing the thing that I wanted it to do, but I was hoping for a progression rather than sort of like a revisiting. And I felt that this album was a revisit, albeit with some like bizarre narration in multiple languages, one of which was actually Hebrew, which I was like, what the hell is ah. going on? I was listening to it when I was going to sleep and then suddenly like like I just woke you up. You were asleep. Like, what's she saying? Yeah, what's she saying? Is this in Hebrew? What's she saying? And then I had to like scroll back through and go, no, no, yep, it's not German. It's definitely Hebrew. So What did she say? Oh, oh gosh, I'm going to need to revisit that. I don't write notes. <laughs> Um, but, but for me, I, I don't know what was going on with the narration. It's obviously something that's far above my level of, um, class, classiness and artsiness. There's, you know, I'm I'm sure there's going to be essays written around it in, in the future, but wasn't it just the, sorry, Eric, to interrupt you, but wasn't it just the, the declaration of human rights? Read out in different languages. I believe you're right. I think you're right. Was that across uh, the whole thing, though? I'll have I to. Think go, so. I was on some of the tracks. Yeah. Hmm, okay. Liz comes in at the end. Oh, I haven't listened to this at all. <laughs> Background. But I, yeah. off the bench. She's just like <laughs> we've been. It's like, it's like the early nineties, and they've got only got two on the interchange bench, so rotations <laughs> are much more limited. And they're like, you know what we're going to do. We're going to put her on the half-board flank and she's just going to go. And that's what she's just done. Or she's like the superstar who's come on. Yeah, like, yeah. She's the Filippo Inzaghi of this podcast. <laughs> um, so, Keep going, Eric. Um, Don't be distracted for, by her. Yeah. Look, so for me, um, 
I I like I I just couldn't I just didn't find the the kind of monologues um particularly they didn't feel like they aided the record they just actually felt mm. like they were distracting me from listening to the music um and again that might be just like something that's far too high highbrow for my little brain to comprehend so which one did you listen to first did you listen I to just, the music I, one I, first? I, I, well i like i mean my relationship mm. with max victor is just like turn it on at right. night and just listen um and mm. then and it doze off so um i didn't have an order to it i listened to it about i listened to it twice and i found the the voice is kind of irritating um that, that's <laughs> my take um, okay. but it is called Voices, so I mean, you know, this is <laughs> that's like, an unfortunate. <laughs> you know, if that was the one sentence, that, <laughs> if that's the takeaway from this record, that's <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah. It is a shame. It is a shame. <laughs> so, look, you know, beautiful, beautiful harmony, beautiful. I want to listen to an album called Sleep, not an album called Voices. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I want to sleep. Yeah. I can't sleep with Voices. Yeah. Scroll, scroll down in your Spotify. Um, <laughs> That's my review. What about you, Liz? I, I, I believe you've got a few things to say. <laughs> well, okay. Well, the, the, I didn't not enjoy it. I listened. I just started listening to it from the from the top of the Spotify playlist. So that was the voices one. Um, yeah, one with the voices. And I, to me, it was like, oh, this is this is great. This is kind of you know, kind of dramatic and 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 you know, soundtracky and kind of cool and. And it was interesting because, like, I was thinking to myself, I, I, this may seem like a ridiculous um, thing to say in a way, but I just don't know whether I like it or not. I don't know. I, I don't not like it. Do you know what mm. I mean? I, I and I was yeah. sort of, you know, I was listening to as a as a I don't know, like a musician going well. I mean, everything's in its right place, and I like I hear what he's he's not doing any wrong notes or. <laughs> You and I not. Get... <laughs> yeah, yeah but I mean, it's funny actor, because a highly accomplished musician. I wasn't going to leave that bomb right in there. <laughs> I certainly hope he's not putting it <laughs> in. Oh, it's a buzzy. Bit buzzy, that one. No, leave it. I'm leave sorry it. To, I'm like, sorry to take this podcast into a into a highbrow situation there as well. I'm sorry, but but actually, like you said, Eric, I like I was sort of going, am I just not? I have the same issue sometimes with um with a lot of forms of music that I I some jazz, some sort of opera, there's some like some classical stuff where I just go, do I just not get it? Is that why I don't is that why it's not mm. speaking to me? Like is there something kind of cerebral that I'm missing that that would put this together and give me a more give me a more cohesive experience or something? But I Absolutely. just um Oakley Oakley to Huntingdale train line. <laughs> That, that really puts it in perspective. <laughs> On that, and I don't want to interrupt, but, you know, I think it's important, like, you know, like we can we can have those doubts in at times, but then if you were to reflect on genres of music that are not, like, in your wheelhouse and go, yeah. I love this. Like, I don't know what I – I don't know why. Yes, I don't know mm-hmm. how, totally. You know, um, so I think there's something to say where if you need to interrogate, oh, you know, maybe I don't get it because I'm not, you know – smart enough or i'm not you know this enough then maybe it's just kind of shit you know because music <laughs> should basically yes. just connect right regardless of the genre 
totally. Well, that, I, I agree. And I, like, I sort of go like, oh, well, if you have, you know, 50 cellos playing a kind of dramatic F chord, then, yeah, mm. I mean, that sounds cool. But what? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just. <laughs> Classical music as according to the stringer. Yeah, I do know. what I actually do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Sorry, Liz. Sorry. Oh, no, that was it. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not making a statement. I'm rather I'm asking a question as to what I think of it. I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm sort of, I think there's all, there's something also it, like the whole thing. Interestingly, I didn't listen to the side without the voices. So um, I don't know. I, I would say like, yeah, cool. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> but I <laughs> and there you have it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's <laughs> a question, like, with, 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 like outside of kind of that sort of, you know. And I mean, I'm only picking this up because you know I, I've certainly had those experiences where you you're almost like you just want to be inside it, but then you kind of find yourself. Going, oh gee, okay, is this this or is this that? Did did yeah. did you did you have any kind of, you know, a th- cerebral or emotive, like reaction to it that that enabled you to step out of that thinking? Or yes, it... no, and... I did, I did, and I think that's why I said, that's that's why, I. I've said that I didn't give it enough, probably didn't give it enough time. And I don't think I was, if I'd been walking in Oakley, maybe mm. I would have yeah. would have been a better canvas for it. But I was sort of pottering around my room. I was in and out of my room where my record player is. And I, I just wasn't, um, sorry, my stereo. Um, I wasn't, I don't know. I just, it, it was more kind of a peripheral soundtrack thing. Whereas I think if, if like you were saying, Arik, like if I, put it in headphones and like listen to it in a dark room before I was about to go to sleep, I'd have a completely different relationship with it. You know, Or maybe if you had to listen to it on cassette like Stevens would have, then maybe <laughs> it would have been yeah, better as well. That's true. Anyway, like I think there's a time and a place for instrumental music in general and it's very reliant on you being in a certain frame of mind in a certain place at a certain time for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, totally. I think. Yeah, more, yeah. yeah, more so than than a lot of other stuff. Totally, totally. I mean, I think what's what's been really kind of revealing about this entire podcast has just been like <laughs> getting to understand Waz's <laughs> walking habits, and, I know. and you know, like <laughs> like more than more than listening to his review, I I just yeah. start him walking through. Oh, if he's his... walking in this direction, I, I know he's going to hate this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh fuck, he's doing the graffiti route. Oh, <laughs> Oh no, he's doing the golf course. He's going the golf course. This could be good. He could be into this. This is coming good. <laughs> All right. I think we should rate this. What do you reckon to move on? Um Max Richter's voices on the JBS Jason's many jet skis rating scale, unofficial rating scale. I don't know. I thought Mercy. I I would get both of you to go back and listen to just Mercy if you're gonna pick one track off this album. It's it's beautiful. Okay, I'm going to do that, Was I'm going to do that after after we do this. Yes. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yeah, great. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll, um, we'll report back next week. I mean, we've said we'll, re- we'll report back a number of times with other guests, but we never do. <laughs> we never do. The stringers got back to us with some vital information on Max Richter's voices. Um, I'm going to give this. I thought it was good. I I listened to it at the at a right time. Was it as good? Uh, I'm going to give it a six and a half. I'm going to give you a six and a half jet skis. And, yeah, they're vintage jet skis, I think. They had a, wow. had a vintage feel about it. They're like, you know, a, a nice Suzuki jet ski, a classic yeah. 92 Suzuki jet ski. Uh, <laughs> Is that the skyline about... of jet skis or like? <laughs> <laughs> classic. More the bluebird, Liz. Bluebird, I would say. A bit more classic. <laughs> With what spoiler. about you, Liz? How did you go? Oh, uh, look, I'm going to give old Maxie. Um, I'm going to. Did you say six and a half was? I did. I'm going to go six and a half too. I, I was going to go six, but it felt too harsh. And also, I'm going to reserve. I'm going to reserve judgment till I revisit the track that you just told me to revisit. But so. I can't remember <laughs> what it's called. The last yeah, track. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely revisit it though. I'll report yeah. back. <laughs> maybe bo- maybe listen to both versions. Listen to the the non vocal one first, and then actually I don't have, actually think it's got vocals on either of them. So scrap that, scrap that. Arik, what do you think? Look, I uh, again so often it's it's one of those things where if this was you know again uh, we've we've got to stack this up. We we, we reviewed Luke Howard's um, the Luke Howard trios record a few weeks back, which we were just you know glowing reviews. And you know this is in the same world, and and thus is to me held to a to a standard that is what it is, and and I feel as though compared to his last release, Sleep, which was a real definitive uh, release, um, this really kind of fell flat for me. So I'm going to give it a four jet skis out of a potential. Four. Oh, yeah, yeah. was what? not expecting that. I know. No. I know. I mean, I brought this album to to the table because I was really excited. I, I loved, yeah. his, loved sleep, and um, and this to me was just, I guess, just not as good a version. So, I'm definitely going to check out Sleep now, though. That's amazing. No, it's I don't think true. you should. I listened to it by mistake today, and uh, yeah, as Eric <laughs> said, it just felt like, like the other ones. Right, like I wanted to get a sleep. And Waz, yeah. has got, Waz has also got, you know, he's got, um, I guess, you know, professional expertise in this field. Mm-hmm. Not That's right. Mm-hmm. So I do not endorse Max Richter as an album that would actually put you to sleep. That's coming from professional people. We okay. do not endorse Max Richter. There you go. Mm-hmm. That might be, you might be the next week's unofficial podcast sponsor, Was Do you think so? Potentially. I mean, that's a good scale. I guess that would be official. I think. Oh, what the the, the non endorsed Max Richter scale? No, no, no. The the sleep scale. Oh, the sleep scale. The Richter okay. scale. Love the, it. The, the Richter scale. <laughs> you just cruised right on past that one, was it? You said it, and you just left it there. I was in I was in Parasomnia World, Liz. I was just thinking about <laughs> the twenty seven definable sleep Parasomnias, and I missed it completely. <laughs> All right, that was um, Max Richter's voices, Arik, four out of ten, Liz, six and a half out of ten, and myself, six and a half out of ten. We'll be right back with the last album of the week. 
Now black skin is not a costume for you to assume. Damn right, I ain't got room to be amused. We ain't amused for your amusement. You were born as a heaven sent. So the final album we have for you this evening is Ziggy Ramo's new album, Black Thoughts. Um, guys, I'm going to read the Time Out article to intro the new Ziggy Ramo album as I had really no idea about the history of this album before I listened to it and wrote notes on this release. So I'm just going to just head straight into this. Um, five years ago, Sydney-based hip-hop artist and proud Indigenous man Ziggy Ramo recorded his powerful debut album, Black Thoughts. Then worrying that white Australia wasn't ready to listen to his searing take on institutional racism, the deep and lasting scar of our colonial history and the brutal weight of intergenerational trauma, he quietly shelved it. When the Black Lives Matter movement sparked marches across the globe in the wake of George Floyd's murder in the US, including boosting the huge movement here against Indigenous deaths in custody, he let it loose on June 5th this year. Enemy heralded him as having made 2020's most important Australian album. Five years ago, it almost never happened, Ramo said. When I wrote this album, I didn't think I'd be alive to see it released. It's surreal to think that I'll now get to put this message on such an iconic stage. I'm humbled to be allowed to share my story on Gadigal Country. I hope this performance can create further conversations that Australia needs to have. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land with an Aboriginal and Solomon Islander father and a mother of Scottish heritage. He was born in Ballinger, New South Wales and brought up on Arnhem Land. And Perth, his voice is incredible and the message he brings to bear and the personal hurdles he's overcome to sing it out loud underline the album's importance. Um, bearing his soul on Instagram when it dropped, Remo revealed he wrote it in hospital while he was in a dark space and that it was very healing for him. He could not hold it back a moment longer um, I wish it was dated, he said. I wish there was no need for it, but unfortunately it's more relevant than ever and I refuse to wait any longer. Racism isn't an American issue. It's everywhere. Australia is built on it. So, Liz, um, we listened to an R&B album by a young Indigenous artist a few weeks back called um, Yesha. Um, she actually won the um, award for Best New Artist at the recent uh, Indigenous Awards. I think that was a couple of weeks Nima, back, Eric, was Nima it? Nima Awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nima Awards. Yeah, and and both of us just thought this album was like a revelation um, and we ended up having a really long discussion at the time about how important these albums are and how as a nation we should be championing them because like they cut through the minutiae and provoke conversations that break down barriers and instigate change. Um, so I was thinking about these issues again the other day and I know these topics are close to both of your hearts. Um but like, I was just thinking, just imagine this album had have come out 20 years ago. And like when he said it was shelved five years ago, I thought, oh, that's so, that's so funny. Like, like, would we be closer to reconciliation if albums like this were in the public domain five years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? And like, you know, I was sort of thinking about the, the Kev Carmody, Paul Kelly track from Little Things, Big Things Grow. And like, you know, it's a seed. Um, and I think like albums like this, you know, they're, they're going to be a big part of, generational cultural change and hopefully stuff like this leads to reconciliation um look i I'm, i know you guys are going to probably talk about this a lot but maybe i'll just go to the music um and then we can get back into it um i just thought look if if you want me to love a hip-hop album just start with like a classic boom bap beat over a social injustice injustice inequality rap and i'm like i'm i'm pigging mark i love it mm. um so it's like up to the artist to fuck it up. Like it's like 
So basically it's like a cat with nine <laughs> lives. Like, you know, you've got nine lives to fuck this up. Don't fuck it up. And I don't reckon he used one on this album. Mm. Um, I thought he smashed it. Um, I love the music. I love the lyrical content. Like there's no tokenism. There's no cashing in on social issues, you know, before moving on to sort of like the dollars and hoes shit shtick. Like it was yeah. real issues relevant to an Australian audience that are current and it cut like straight through, like it cut and it was incessant and it started at track one and it went right through to the end of the album. And I loved like the Miesha album, you know, he interspersed the samples um, with all that's wrong about, you know, white Australia, you know, that outrageous Lang Hancock interview. Mm. Oh my God. That just made me, my skin crawl and the knickknack dress up day. That was just, that was brilliant. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I um I've got a couple more things I'll say to it, but I think I might throw to to one of you guys. Liz, do you want to do you want to take it up, or Eric, do you want to take it up? Yeah, I might just keep on rolling with where you're at, and then we'll uh we'll we'll head over to Liz. Um, look to me, I I'd heard the name Ziggy Ramo uh a number of times. Um, I I do need to admit that I don't I'm not really across kind of young like like the kind of young Sydney artists coming up, so. I hadn't given it a full spin, um, but then I I got to see his um, his appearance on Q and A, which is an Australian mm, kind of fair yep. show. I went and watched that a yep. few weeks ago, and um, I was completely blown away, not just by his eloquence, but his his bravery in in calling out tokenism in uh you know the kind of left-leaning australian media and mm. i remember watching it and and actually and and like seeing it go down and seeing like you know when you get nervous and your mouth dries up um like you could see just how um how incredibly challenging it was to him i mean i don't want to speak on his behalf but just as an audience member it, it appeared like fuck like this is this is an incredibly brave move and that which mm. is going to start shit in his mm. world be it positive or negative um he this is not just going to go to sleep tonight he's going to have to deal with what he says tomorrow and um and he went all the way and he literally basically um made all the panelists on this ABC program literally like collapse he killed them like he crushed mm. them and to me as like a statement in 2020 um that that was my introduction to his work and i was like oh my god what an incredibly eloquent and just hyper just amazing um statement um and i was like i'm gonna go back and listen to this record and i guess you know i might just move off the political stuff for a minute because i think part of it being so profound and powerful is actually the record itself and 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 the kind of um reclaiming of hip-hop in a way mm. which it was a is a classic hip-hop album it was a classic mm. hip-hop album yeah. um it was all like top to tail just hip-hop it wasn't mm. shitty hooks it wasn't no. going for a triple j kind of hottest 100 at the barbie bloody shout out sing along it was lyrics from top to tail and it was far closer to i guess 
the the US style hip hop that I'm particularly yeah. into, you know, Wu Tang yep. and and, yeah. and, the, and these kinds of um releases. We, then the music's then more like, of a foundation, Eric. That's right, exactly. The mm. beat's there for the story to to blossom. So for me, the the thing like obviously the message is is incredible and but you know, was you've spoken about it and Liz, I'm assuming you're gonna you're gonna hit it too. Um but like just looking at the production of it and thinking about hip hop in this country, um, this was like a hip hop record talking to Australian issues and audiences, but with a, with an international focus to bring like those stories to attention to like hip hop mm-hmm. heads around the globe. And I think that's such a smart move um, and, and, and really kind of assures that this is going to hang around. Um, can I can I make a comment on that, Arik? Because yeah. let me before Liz, you jump in. Like I very much like that Miasha album. <clears throat> I like knowing that this was made five years ago makes a lot more sense because I actually thought that some of the production values were a bit uh, a bit dated and a bit like I'm and just not taking anything away from this album. But I I feel like like just like we talked about with that Miasha album. If you throw throw fifty grand at this album in terms of production and just getting that ready for the US market, this album could explode. It I could felt explode. like yeah, it, it feels like it's all there. Just make it ready because, like, like, like we know, like it's got to be at that level to yeah. to hit those markets, mm. and and it could get there. Um, and it needs to reach a wider audience and not just nationally but internationally. So that's I that's what i thought about i guess i got like a critique a critique of it i mean i think it's a it's something that we're just seeing on a lot of australian releases um perhaps just you know um locally we just don't have the producers to get it to that level and hopefully yeah but we're global we're a global community like it doesn't have to be australian like okay the record's done send it off you know yeah yeah no it's a good point um and I, i mean i think it's just an exciting time that you know like these artists are, are are like the songwriting the composition and the ideas are all like punching at that at that sort of world conquering level maybe that yeah. we've just got a, a couple of factors that are holding us back locally around sonics and and yeah. these kinds of things and and mm. let's be honest like our country is not a country that has let's be brutally honest we don't have the skill base here in this country to make hip hop that punches internationally Bar perhaps Sam the Great, which um, which is probably the only hip hop record that is literally, mm. I mean, she's just been you know nominated for a Bet Award, but that's literally uh, perhaps the the only hip hop yes. release that, that that hits um at that level. Um, going to Ziggy Rum, I mean, my favorite tune uh was White Lies, and the lyrics was just ah, oh, it was so powerful. I just want to quote one of the lyrics. He says. Australia, Australia likes Kendrick, but when I talk about the same yeah. shit as you, uh, no, I, I, when I talk about the same shit, you get defensive, and it's mm. like if you're going to capture the moment right now, that is, that is the moment. Like Australia is so uncomfortable with its history that we will literally um, platform artists that uh, talk to the US state, you know, state of oppression, but God yes. forbid we look internally and, mm-hmm. and go, actually what, what we've done is like the US tried to do it. And in Australia, we kind of more or less successfully did it. Um, and, you know, and I say successfully, obviously in the, in the worst way possible, yeah. um, yes. you know, the, 
like the systems by which um you know black america have fought there's been yeah basically the system over here has been so much more brutal that Mm -hmm. um that we're actually more inclined to kind of like feel comfortable with it with an american talking about these issues but god forbid uh, uh you know an indigenous australian talks about that and we suddenly shit our pants and i think ziggy has completely captured that uh entire double standard and just smashed it right back in the listener's yeah. face and how power to him um the, i mean for for me you know we've talked about final tracks um oh, and how good was like that? right 18 minutes unbelievable 18, 18 minutes. minutes of final thoughts unmitigated just this is what this is what's on my mind and 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 again like talking about this um artist's bravery like it was know, riveting who, eric riveting but you know like like it takes it takes a pretty amazing person to go you know what let's fucking make it make the last track 18 minutes of what i what i think <laughs> yeah. you know like yeah. it's a brave mm. move and um and when i listened to it i was like holy shit this is good so um yeah that's my take on this record what about you liz yeah um i hated it <laughs> yeah shit no oh my god I, I mean like okay firstly there's so, i mean there's so there's so much yes so much firstly what like i think what's what what is extraordinary about it at, like leaving the the kind of content of the lyrics aside for a second is the fact that um you know as opposed to say like wu-tang or whatever like he's just one Mm. mc and and that he's Mm. the only voice that you hear the entire time like the only human voice there's no there's not there's i think there's one track where he it's him sort of like he has this delayed um phrase that he that he says and that but that's the like it is just the tracks and his voice um Mm. which is technically like as an mc so hard to do and make compelling um just in the way that he uses his voice right so that so that's the first thing and i think i was yeah i mean i again i was doing like my driving shifts i put it on in the car and was i riveting is the word like i was just absolute like every single line he's cut all of the fat off everything like there's nothing in there that doesn't that hasn't earned its place bombs 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 yeah and it's Mm. so it's it's such a distillation for me um, of you know like of this year and also of you know of of the 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 farce and this sort of like this this younger generation and you know he wrote this when he was twenty which is fucking unbelievable, unbelievable. and he's only twenty five now and I agree Eric I saw that um, Q and A thing and I was like that the presence of mind that this kid this twenty five year old kid. Mm-hmm. has is like extraordinary is an amazing extraordinary. clearly like very smart man but mm. you know back to his music it's like i everything that he said I, and what what he's basically doing is like peeling off these these layers of hypocrisy like that's his mm. i think for me that was the biggest message it's hypocrisy it's like and he just like again and again and again he's just like you you think that but you don't like that like you you'll allow that but you don't like and it's like i what i was really interested in like obviously i'm i'm listening to it as a white a white migrant australian as yes. someone that is um familiar with and and you know 
um, supports the the that indigenous people in australia should have equal rights and we should recognize our history so i'm coming at it from a point where i agree with what he's saying you know yeah and i and i either out of recognizing recognizing it myself or having it pointed out to me this this sickening like um um hypocrisy that happens and has happened you know since my ancestors first came so is that there's like I was wondering what would it be like for someone who is who doesn't agree with him? Like how would they how would they listen to this? And I think what's really what's really powerful about it is that it's sort of, you know, it's just so like there's as that like there's no there's I don't know, there's no all the fat's cut off it, so it's like this is just yeah. what it is. This is how it is. And it's mm. not I don't mean this sorry. Sorry, Liz. Yeah, like I just I just found it I found it incredibly passionate but incredible but but very kind of kind of contained and considered and like i'm just telling you know like uh, as a lyricist you know and he mentions in that in the when he's he's talking at the end he talks about you know shakespeare and the, his the history of hip-hop and all this sort of stuff and it's like he clearly loves words and he's um and has a deep interest in in how to use them and their impact and you know like as a as someone who is a word geek as well, I I really got so excited about that and was just like, fuck it. I was like getting really excited in the car <laughs> because of the way that he was using the words, what he was saying with the words, like, mm. yeah. And to be so young and to be like, um, to do that in such an exposed way production wise is like, it's pretty impressive, I reckon. In answer to your question, well, the question you posed in regards to uh, you know, there'll be people who disagree with this or are there, you know, what are people going to think who dis disagree with this? I think this is the type of album, as as Arik, you mentioned about, you know, you, you listen to Kendrick but not to this. This is an album that has the potential to cut right mm. across a whole swathe of, of different cultures and races in in australia yeah. i think it is it is so powerful it's it's sung with such passion and such truth that that this will i i, I honestly think this will cut this album this will cut and, through and to yeah. that was like i i'd say i think i think he's been really conscious as to defining the audience that he wants to um invite into the conversation so mm -hmm. yeah, it's he's not speaking to his allies, he's speaking to his enemies. No. Mm -hmm. And um and that's an incredibly bold move again from a 25-year-old kid who's like, you know what? Come at me, let's go. Like you But this is also an album, Arik, that's been aimed at, again, like it's been aimed at uh uh age demographic that it actually needs to be aimed at. I think mm. because this is the you know this is the age demographic and I hate to fucking talk about it in this way because that's not how you should be talking about it but in terms of generational change like this has the potential to to bring on generational change and yeah. and move us towards more of a reconciliation I think because it needs to go in at that age and it needs yeah. to be like oh fuck fuck as Liz said like you know it's there's no fat there's no fat um you, you can't there's so much on this that you can't argue with. It's like indisputable fact. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's just truth. So, you know, and people are going to hear this and it's going to cut. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. No. Well, I think it's and, and I like I feel like it's a it's it's the latest chapter in a in a very long line of 
of Aboriginal artists, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander artists, musicians, writers, um, making the same points. Um, Agreed. Making the, but, 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 but doing it in a different way, you know. It's, like it's I done think it in that, something that's mass marketable. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, and I think um, it's a... It's a really interesting um, way. Like it's a, it's an indication of how, say, Ziggy's generation is is approaching, like, um, are, are approaching the same issues. You know, like that group of artists, and it's really exciting that there's like, and again, we talk about having like, you know, you talking before was about, you know, platforms and. Um, you know, every record, like, I mean, every, these records are so important, you know, um, mm. and the fact that we do live in a time now where people can record and release stuff. Um, yeah. It's powerful. It's, it's, it's powerful. And, and as you say, like this sort of, I don't, I don't know the background of how this album was released or who it's released through or any of that, what, what support it has, but. As a you know, as a piece of work, it, it kind of speaks for itself, and I think it it'll cut through, too, like no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess perhaps we might move to the. Um, I mean, it feels whoa, a bit silly to whoa, go to jet ski, jet ski <laughs> ratings <laughs> after after that. We're just going to throw across to the to the, to the really affluent jet ski rating scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel like we could talk about this album all night. Like it is so incredible. Like it's. Oh, anyway, you you take it, Eric. Sorry. Um. Look, I'm going to go with what you said prior was, which, like, I mean, you know, looking at things from you know the you know the full gamut of components that make a perfect album i would have loved this to have been mixed overseas um yes. and mixed by one of the real kind of heavies in that world um like the guy who did the logic album Marek. who was yeah. that guy we did yeah like that was just the most epic production jay hut not jay hus some other guy L lp 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 so i think to me like like the thing that, that might be holding this back from like that full kind of like crossover into international stardom is is the kind of mix on the on the on the beats. Just go and redo it. Go yeah. and remix it. Yeah, go and remix Someone it. Someone put uh, some money up and remix it. Yeah. So for me, that's like the only kind of like fallback um in relation to I guess how I've scored, you know, other records higher. So yes. that this, this one, this one's nine nine jet skis out of a potential a potential ten jet skis uh, for the JBS Plumbing um, side hustle jet ski rating scale. <laughs> <laughs> um, before uh, like before I rate, I'd also draw our listeners who have tuned in for all two hours and forty minutes of this podcast. I'll draw their attention <laughs> to. A live performance of this album that has just gone live online um, and Ziggy plays the tracks with a 10-piece band at the Sydney Opera House and oh it's just gone up a couple of days ago and it's a full performance. It's, um, it's cool. incredible. And I haven't watched all of it, but I've watched some of it and it was amazing. So on the on Jason's side hustle, Jay, it, well, Jay, what is it? <laughs> Jason's side hustle. 
JV, JVS, Side Hustle, Jet Ski, Rating Scale. I'm also pulling out the big trailers. We are cruising down the <laughs> highway to Geelong with the windows open, blasting this album full blast. Like you, Eric, I'm going to take one off for the mix. I'm going to give it a nine. Jet skis hooning around Port Phillip Bay this weekend. Liz. Nice. Well, yeah, I um, I am also going very high. Um, and I think I, I I agree with you guys on the on the production. I mean, like for me, I'm not. I wouldn't say that. I, I mean, I'm not a hip hop aficionado, but I like I. But I do, I, I'm a, I like, I'm a more of a fan of the sort of like sample, um, kind of yeah. lo-fi vibe rather than the, than the, the program beats. That's just like a personal yeah, yeah. Oh, we thing. Are. Uh, Liz, yeah, you um, should come on every episode when we write a classic hip hop album. I need you. I just hand you my resignation. <laughs> yeah, and also when Arik's doing a new album with program beats and like trap hats, you can come on and slam that with me too. Thank you. Sorry, I digress. So yeah, that, I mean, I'm gonna give it nine also because I, you know, it's I just I, I I'm loath to give any album a ten because you know what happens me if they too. come out with a greater a better album in two years? You got nowhere to go, and I have no yeah. doubt that he'll do that. So. Um, yeah, it was, and you know, thanks again, guys, for getting me to do this because I really like. I'm so back into listening to records now, and I'm really, I'm grateful to you both. Thank you. Well, we are grateful to you, Liz, for joining us <laughs> on a Thursday night. Yeah. For two hours and forty three <laughs> minutes and counting of uh, <laughs> gazing. Sparkle, spark, sparkling repartee, we like to call it. <laughs> we might, we might wrap it up there. So, Liz, thank you again. Is it? I mean, you know, I'm sure we're going to be hearing some more stuff of uh, your material coming up in the future. Is there anything? Um, yeah, she's got a new album coming out. She told us at the start, Eric. You tell us at the start. <laughs> I don't know when though. It's going to be like maybe next year. Maybe next year. So keep an eye out in 2021 for Liz Stringer's new release. Warren Hunter, it has been an absolute <laughs> pleasure once again to uh, to be your co-pilot, your uh, your uh, your Kermit, um, <laughs> your Kermit the Frog, <laughs> and your um, your Bert Reebok pumps, the Reebok pump. I don't know what that was, but um, look, ladies and gentlemen, we've had an absolute blast. Thank you again for listening. This has been the All Music Is Good podcast and we'll see you next week.